are listening to this podcast and this warning is for you. Every word you listen to of this useless podcast is another second off your life. Don't you have other things to do? Is your life so empty that you honestly can't think of a better way to spend these moments? Or are you so impressed with authority that you give respect and credence to all who claim it? Do you read everything you're supposed to read? Do you think everything you're supposed to think? By what you're told you should want? Get out of your apartment. Stop the excessive shopping. Quit your job. Start a fight. Prove you're alive. If you don't claim your humanity, you will become a statistic. You can Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Ben with Animalitia, and I am finally back for episode three with the Animalitia podcast. Unfortunately, Ian Sanchez will not be joining me tonight. He is at work as he has landed a pretty badass editing job with a news station. So it will be me riding solo tonight, and hopefully I don't screw this up or make things awkward. But I do have a guest joining me tonight, Jake Bringold of a local band called 12 Hour Day, joins me on the Animalitia podcast, and we are going to talk about scary stuff, horror films, the music industry, and getting to the Illuminati and the end of the world, hopefully. Jake, thank you for joining me tonight. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm just glad I was able to finally, you know, get on. I know I've been talking to you uh, quite a bit about joining this podcast. I'm super excited because I know I want to like talk about kind of the, you know, really scary stuff like Illuminati, that stuff everybody wants to hit on, you know, and just kind of get in depth into that stuff. So I'm just super excited to be here. Yeah, I think it's safe to say reality really sucks right now. So we all need an escape. And uh, yeah, let's just let's just have some fun here. Um, so off the bat, I think you're my very first guest on this and hopefully you are the first of many. So I think, um, I like to start these off by doing a little thing to relieve the tension and kind of relax a little bit. So what I'm going to ask is how did you and I meet and specifically, um, if you have anything funny about that or like a funny memory, I think that's a good way to kind of unwind and start this thing. Oh gosh, let me see if I can even remember that. Um, so I think we met because we worked at the uh, produce department at our local Target um, that we lived uh, lived near, and I think like I had been there a couple years, and then I I think we just started working. I just started working on a shift with you or whatever, and um, I think from there, like I thought like you were new, but it turns out you'd worked there before. And then you'd come back, you quit and you'd come back. And, and then I yeah, just, I'd do that. <laughs> and then you came back and I'm like, I was talking to this guy and I started talking to you about whatever, like whether it was like the political climate or, or, or weird, other weird shit. Like, I'm like, you're actually the only, you're probably one of the only sane people working here right now. Cause like, there's just some other, you know, there's some nice people at work that work there, but it was just definitely, there was some characters there and. Uh, it was nice to have like a normal person to talk to about lo- a, lot, a lot of things and like in the back room. I remember there was like a couple times where like we were in the back room probably for like over an hour talking about stuff when we should have been out on the floor 
actually doing work. Um, but yep. I just sounds uh, familiar. Um, but I just I just remember like I don't remember the specific first time. I just remember like it was during a summer, and I just I I saw this dude here, and I'm like I started talking to him. I'm like this guy's actually uh, pretty cool, like normal <laughs> compared to some other people I was working with. Hey, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> Those feelings are reciprocated to you as well. Thank you. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of fucking weird people out there. So like, once you meet someone uh, you can click with and is on the same level, it's <clears throat> it's kind of how I feel animals would act who are like endangered, and then they run into other yeah. animals of like that same endangered species, mm-hmm. and like they're like, whoa. Like, <laughs> yeah. right, exactly. Like, what is it? Like the rhinos and stuff. Like, whoa, dude, we're like the last ten on this planet right now. Oh my gosh! And there's a lion over there. Okay, well, maybe they're we're not as prey, but we're we're connecting right now. You know, so yeah. Well, that yeah, like there's just like there in the world like that goes beyond just the workplace. Is that you'll 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 run into so many different weird people, and you're like you're you're starting to think as you're going through life that am I the only person that thinks like me? Am I the only like fucking normal person on this planet like that like i mean not saying that i have the soul-hearted opinion that like is is correct or anything but like i feel like i'm logically thinking through something when you meet somebody that has your same kind of beliefs and way of thinking it's it's it just really clicks so no absolutely we are we are in a very weird uh phase of humanity right now society is weird it's very fractured and uh it's very very isolated um very lonely and weird at times and uh yeah no um but now that we got that out of the way um i do have something i need to start off with because i was talking about talking about this like a month ago and that is it i needed to discuss this this was episode three but due to various circumstances we have not been able to complete our third episode yet and so we're here tonight so i do need to discuss this because this movie is now already out and it's been out for about a week and i did see it so uh i want to discuss this a little bit um so have you seen it or like have you did you see the first one did you see the original are you interested in that at all yeah, so I saw the the second chapter. I saw the first chapter of the remake as well, and I also saw the original, like what was it, the t- t- TV version back in the early early nineties with Tim yeah, Curry. So nice. I, yeah, I've seen, I've seen. It's been a while since I've seen those original ones in the nineties, but um, I remember when I, I think I seen them twice. I think I saw the original like nineteen ninety one version when I was really young. I was scared you know, to death, you know, by that. But then I saw it when I was older. I'm like, this is kind of cheesy, but it still has a little kind of old school, like flair to it. You know, just it, totally, it was, was kind of good, you know? And then I saw, you know, chapter one, a couple years ago, and then I just saw chapter two here in the last week. So awesome. Yeah. My, uh, <clears throat> my history is kind of similar with that. I, uh, my mom showed me the original it, the Tim Curry series. Um, when I was a young kid, um, I watched really violent shit when I was a kid, um, which sounds messed up, but I, <clears throat> for some reason, the artistic side of my brain, which my parents discovered when I was very young, I was able to understand violence and how it was not reality and it was entertainment and fantasy. And <clears throat> I was really excited by it because normal kid stuff really bored me. Yeah. And then once I started discovering these action films like Schwarzenegger and yeah. Stallone, 
I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. Like finally something that doesn't bore me. Yeah. And you know, my parents talked to me about that and they decided I knew what it was. Like I understood it wasn't real life and it wasn't real, but I understood, I really appreciated the artistic and creative side of it. And so they actually let me watch that stuff under their supervision when I was very young. And then eventually I discovered horror and that sort of like, like open door yeah. 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 your brain. Like, yeah. Oh my so, gosh, what is this? So like the action films like Rocky and like Terminator or whatever, like that was that kind of opened that creative door up for me. But once I discovered horror that blew it off the fucking hinges mm-hmm. and yeah. uh yeah. So like my mom actually showed me that original it film when I was, I must've been in like third or fourth grade or something. And I was like, this is fucking cool. Like, mm-hmm. man, this clown's creepy and it's really long. So I can get like really into it. Yeah. And, um, and then I watched that again way later on in life. And, uh, you know, and this is when I was like really into horror and before I went to school for film. So kind of in that little, like that awkward, like middle area. And I was like, man, this movie sucks. It was so poorly done, but I still love it. Cause it's nostalgic. This is still a classic. And Tim Curry killed that role. And, um, that was always my view of the original was like it, I have fond nostalgic memories of it. I think the clown was really good and creepy and Tim Curry was awesome in that role, but it was a very low budget film, obviously, cause it was for a TV series and it could have been a lot better. It was done really poorly in a lot of ways. And so when I found out they were remaking it, I was very interested because I think had they <clears throat> done a remake that followed it the right way, but they had the massive budget to invest in it and do everything correctly, I was very interested to see where it would go. And honestly, that was my only expectation for these two films, part one and part two. And I feel like they both succeeded. I was not blown away by either of them. Like if I had to critique the first film, I'd probably give it a B. Mm. And I think the second part was probably equivalent. Um, I think they go hand in hand. I don't think one was better than the other, but I do think part two... Um, one thing I liked more is that they had a better utilization of um, how they presented the clown. So the first film, it was way too much CGI. Like it was way too fake. And I like how they tried to create a different image for the clown from the original Pennywise. But when it was so like animated looking, it was it lost its creepiness. And a lot of people I know personally were talking about how scary it was. And I was like, I don't know. It's like, looks like it could fit into toy story or something or like monsters Inc. Mm -hmm. Like it was a little too animated. Right. This one, they combined some of those practical elements with the CGI. Mm -hmm. And I think it looked more natural. And I think it, the clown looked creepier, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, I think the casting in this film was fantastic. Yeah, I love the casting. In this. Like, like 
Bill Hader. Oh my god, I that was, was so awesome. I was I was kind of like when I when I heard he was casted for it, I'm like, you know, I I love Bill Hader because I love him in going back to like movies like Hot Rod, Super Bad, and, and, and Super Bad <laughs> when he's the cop with Seth Rogen. I'm yep. like I'm like I know he's a good actor, but how is he gonna, you know, adapt yeah. into a horror film? But yeah. I thought he did like an excellent job. Kind of added that comedy to it a little bit. But he, I think the cast was was fantastic. Yeah, and I didn't know he was gonna be in there until. I was there, and I was oh, really? like, "What okay. the fuck? That's right. Bill Hader," and yeah. um, I was like, "Damn! Like he is absolutely perfect for that role." And um, God, the uh, the chubby kid, um, who the adult version of him is like right. that. Ben play- wasn't his name. Yeah, ben. yeah, yeah, yep, ben. yep, yeah. Like the Playboy guy who's mm-hmm. good looking and has got yep. abs and shit. Yep. Like, dude, that guy looked exactly like that chubby kid, like in the face. Yeah, and I'm like, holy crap! Like that was amazing casting. I know. And, um, Beverly, like that casting was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and what was cool is they really they um they remade the original, like the part where they all meet up as adults in the Chinese restaurant and stuff. They did that perfectly. Like the casting was excellent and the scenery and just kind of the feeling of them being there. Yeah. And like the dialogue was so natural. Like there wasn't any cheesiness to it. Like it looked like it was all 100% natural. Like that sometimes in scenes like that in any movies, but it's particularly horror, you know, like, like that where they're all talking and they're, they're coming back after years. And I know that the narrative kind of, and like in the book too, is when they go away from Derry or wherever Derry, Maine, like Mm -hmm. they forget about it. And they were kind of talking about memories and the dialogue was so natural. There wasn't any cheesiness like you knew they were acting it looked so like it was perfectly well done i thought yeah totally and um i know a lot some a lot of people were disappointed um i mean it went on a long time like it didn't blow my mind it did everything i wanted it to um what i really liked about these films and what met my expectations was you had this really big and epic story. Mm. Have you ever read the original book by Stephen, or like scoped through it, or know anything I, about it? I, I never read the original book, but I know that there was there is the book is like what over a thousand pages. It's fucking crazy. It's it's, it's, it's yeah. insane. It's insanely long. And my my older brother read it, and I remember after watching chapter one a couple years ago, I, I kind of looked into it a little bit and looked up like what what is in the book and what isn't in the movie and i can't think of any like a lot of things out the top of my head but there's so many different narratives that they go into in the book and, and I, yeah d- things they left out of the movie that you can't obviously all put into even two movies but it they did leave out i know they left out some things that they go into deep into the book and i think they did that in the right way yeah. and that goes back to the original and the remakes um or the reboots i should say um there was so much in that book. It was almost too much. Yeah. And if you listen to my last episode, I um, shit on Stephen King a little bit as like yeah. an author who's so hot and cold yeah. and some of the work is so spooky and he's such an insane person and some of it's so good, but then mm. it's just absolute garbage. Yeah. Like what is that one story? Like they made it in a movie like Thinner. Or right, like, like, yeah. Like that, like, I mean, the movie was cheesy, but like the book can't be like uh-huh. a whole lot. I mean, the book is probably better than the movie they made, yeah. but like that story just doesn't like, doesn't appeal to me as much as like The Shining or, yeah. or even It or something For sure. like that. Um, yeah. And like I was talking with Ian, like as an artist, and you would know because you're in a band and we're going to dig right, into that right. pretty soon here. But um, if you, 
pull every creative idea you have out in your head and you like do some type of work with it, like your ratio of good stuff versus like absolute shit is going to be much like farther spread apart than like if you kind of sit on your the stuff you really think is good and you sort you're very selective and patient with what you release. This guy, I mean, I think he's literally like on the toilet in the morning. He's like, I'm going to write a book about this. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, well, I don't know. Just take the week off and then like, you know, wait until you have an idea that doesn't suck. Right. Uh, he's a very weird guy. He is into some weird shit. Um, again, I've discussed this last time, so I'll try to get through this as quick as possible, but I think it's relevant to what we're talking about. But, uh, he was, uh, I feel like his, when you read certain writers who are addicts or like they have their vices, um, you can kind of see how it's reflected into their art. Um, for some reason, I think it, I think it's writer. It affects writers more than like musicians or, um, different avenues of creators or artists. For some reason, like it affects writers like really crazy. Uh, have you ever noticed that at all? Yeah. Like I, I feel like like going down the avenue of, well, like you said, like Stephen King, like he, I feel like he maybe writes everything that comes off the top of his head right away. Yeah. So like, I, I definitely like I, I wrote some of my music and and done some things and, but I'm so self as a musician, like I'm so self critical of things so quickly that I will just so quickly to like shut something down, like oh that's that's not gonna work. That's just no one's gonna yeah. no one's gonna no one's gonna like that. And and even my you know my 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 singer who sits down and you know will write a lot of the music and and have nights he's he'll just he'll have a song one day and like i love it i love it and the next day no no i'm scrapping that i don't i don't want to do <laughs> yeah. that no screw that yeah. but yeah it's definitely relevant and i've met other people who literally will put out everything they come up with mm-hmm. and it's definitely relevant especially within musicians and they like they say in that like you're on your your own you're, you are your own worst critic and but there are people like stephen king and other artists that you know literally take art as just expressing everything and don't sure. really care what other people think and just put it out there. Yep. And Ian said this, and that's probably part of why he's great. And I think you could probably make that point for other artists and creators. I don't have any specific examples off the top of my head, but I think there's something to be said there that would make sense. But, um, with him, he's definitely got demons, and I feel like demons are often suppressed or released by your addictions and vices. And so he was big into blow, I think, um, uh, drinking on and off. I don't know if he was an alcoholic or not, but obviously he did it a lot at some points, and he did it very little at other points. You can see that reflection in his writing, and also he smoked a lot of dope on and off. Mm. Um, I just, That's just... I don't have anything to support that. That's just my theory is like he, he, like a lot of people, he probably goes through phases in his life where he does a lot of shit to numb his mind. And especially as an artist and like Mm. having that artist brain where Mm. your motor's always spinning, you got to find something to kind of like tone it down a little bit. And I think, I think going off that, I think, I think he had so much stuff going through his head that he had to write it down. Yeah. Yeah. And just just to kind of slow it, like his therapy to like tone his, you know, his thinking down and slow his thoughts down. And he felt some of those were worthy enough. I'm just going to make it a book and let's go with it, you know? Yep. Um, so let's go back here. So the 
it book is like a thousand pages or whatever. Um, one of my problems with his writing, so he goes off in this weird shit, uh, specifically mm-hmm. these sexual tangents, and yep. it's bizarre. Yeah. And I think what really bothers me is like over the years he's become kind of political and outspoken. Yeah, and it's kind of like, eh, like why, like why are why wh- like why are you putting your opinion out there when like you write really fucked up shit? So like, who are you to judge? And so like going back to the book, it there's some very specific weird things from that book that did not make the movie, thankfully, because it would have been absolutely awful. Mm. Um, and, uh, I don't even know if I want to get into the details of it. Do you know anything that I'm, are you aware of what I'm talking about? Well, like, aren't there like some like weird, like sexual things like out of, uh, in it, like the book itself that he kind of like something like that. And then like, yeah, so there, okay. Yeah. Um, I'll go into this because this will, this will very quickly, but this will just explain what I'm hinting at here so like there's a part where i don't remember the details but he uh the girl beverly when they're kids they're in the sewer and like there's a scene in the book where all the boys like gangbanger and like i'm being completely serious this is a part of the book Mm -hmm. and it's like why the fuck would you write that like that's messed up thankfully that never made the movie (laughs) um there's some weird stuff about I forget the name of the bullies in the movie, but there was also some weird like yeah I'd heard of that like and actually something did make that first movie that didn't I, that didn't make like the original right. movie I think it had something to do with one of, I forgot what that that um, uh-huh. main bully that was still in the second one yeah uh, that was in the, like the psych ward or whatever like yep. he he was told or like brainwashed by uh, Pennywise on the TV to kill his dad. Yeah. Which yep. I think was a really well done scene. Oh, but yeah, that, yeah. That yep. was in the book that wasn't in the original For sure. movie. But I think there's, yeah, there's more like that you'll probably discuss with the bullies that, that yeah. make the movie like messed up things. Yeah. there. Uh, I'll just say there is some weird sexual stuff from the yeah. book. Um, and it's, that's always, yeah, that's sexual. So it's weird. So like my point in bringing all this up is you have this thousand page book. Some of this story is really big and epic and interesting and other stuff it's like what the fuck was this guy thinking when he wrote it and it's like why did he put absolutely everything in there uh there's a part there's a turtle i i don't even know that part like Uh, i i i I, I think i read into that and it was so weird it had something to do with like and they touched on it a little bit in the movies yeah like the deadlights yeah which is like the origin of pennywise or whatever it is and it has something to do in the book. He briefly or something. I, I don't know. Like I haven't read this part of the book, but I thought I've read like some blogs and stuff on it, uh-huh. where that he t- kind of talks about the beginning of time and that some turtle or something created the universe, and it and the deadlights were the evilness against this turtle or something, something yeah. along those lines. And yeah. then there was Earth, and that's. I guess he went on some sort of tangent in the book like that, like yeah. that stuff. <laughs> so I don't know if they would have okay. executed that in the movie. So this is why that book is a thousand pages long <laughs> is shit like that. Yeah. And so what I think is good about these films and um, you could probably say the same for the original too, but I haven't seen that in a while. I was young when I fell mm. in love with it. So I'm just going to focus on these, these reboots yeah. here. Um, when you take a thousand page novel and then you're doing a oh man, what the fuck's it called? Um, I did this in screenwriting school, right. in film school. Yeah. Um, 
adaptation. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Yep. When you take a novel or a story and you have to do an adaptation and do a screenplay, it is so difficult. Like it is such an underappreciated, um, time-consuming task to do. So the fact that they took that book and they were like, "Hey, here's what works," and like, "Here's the stuff we're gonna cut because it doesn't work and it's weird," and here's the final product. Like, if you if you turn that thousand pages into a movie script, yeah. you would probably have like five three-hour films. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like maybe they were at that at one point. Like, okay, now we're down to these five three-hour films. Okay, now we got to cut it down to two. Like, yeah, but exactly. they. Uh, um, you know, they were able to trim that and create a story and they did a damn good job of yeah. it because that's really hard to do. And I think it was very reflective of the original, but it was also its own piece. Mm-hmm. And what's cool is um, the original was, you know, I liked it, and but it was campy and cheap and poorly made. Well, like when this came out, you know, 27 years after the original, the, the chapter one, um, man, the studio, they had all the money to throw at it. And so I was like, man, if they do this right, like the right effects, the right actors, the right directors and production and like after effects and all of that, even if they did it the exact same, like this will be amazing. This will be something else. And, uh, it was, and I, mm. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but I think it chapter one was one of had to be one of the top five grossing films of all time. Definitely top 10. And I know chapter two didn't do as well, but it still did really good. Mm -hmm. And so to me, what that did is that put eyes on the genre because Mm -hmm. over the years, there's been so many of these horror films and these tropes and Mm -hmm. these trends that have come and gone and, They've sucked and there yeah. hasn't been anything mind blowing. Like yeah. um, you know, like uh Yeah, I mean gosh, I mean the last thing I can think of that was really like I mean, you've got Saw came along and that was its own thing. Yeah. But then like how many movies after Saw were the exact same thing as Saw? Yeah. B movies, like mm-hmm. um high uh, budget studio movies. Mm-hmm. Same with like Paranormal Activity, yeah. which wasn't good, but it was also really good just because they did something different. Yeah. And then it was like, exactly. how many of those movies have been done? Like whether they're shitty B films on Netflix or like possession movies that were in theaters for like a week. Um, so like the horror genre really needed a victory. It really needed a high budget film everybody wanted to see. Yeah, exactly. And it needed this visual stuff and um just quality to it and dialogue and acting and directing and effects and i think it chapter one and it chapter two pulled that off and now there's eyes on that genre so if anyone's in that genre on a big scale they need to step up to the plate and start making shit that's interesting right because like and i i feel that's been happening recently um I really love Bloomhouse. I think almost everything they've done is pure gold. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely. Fa- I know I've seen movies where yeah. that has popped up at the beginning. I just mm-hmm. can't think of any at the top of my head. But I've definitely, I've watched a few of those films because I know like the the logo of it. Like if you yeah. shoot up a couple of movies, yeah. I probably have seen it. So my favorite by them is Happy Death Day. Have you oh, seen that? N- I have not. No. Okay. 
it doesn't take itself seriously, but it's just it's just fun and it's um it's just fun. Right. Like well, I remember, that's, that, that's yeah. literally all I'm gonna say is it's mm-hmm. fun and mm-hmm. it's well done. And like sometimes that's all you need. Right. And like um my first episode I was ranting about how hard they they try to make everything so dark and like um it's all this like shock factor and it's like you know can't we just go and have fun and like see something like visually stimulating yeah. and like have someone who can write a damn story yep. and i think <clears throat> what i really like about it chapter one and two is that it put that in the mainstream and now like people have to step up to the plate and i think that is really what the horror genre needed in uh, like mainstream Hollywood. Yeah. And so in that aspect, it hit all of the expectations I needed it to. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty much, that's pretty much my view on that. Yeah. That's like the same thing. Same thing for me, like overall, like there was definitely like criticisms, like any other movie that I would have of both those movies. But I think overall I was very satisfied with both movies and how they took like a lot of money, put it into the clown and how creepy overall they made that story when, Especially, like, people were so concerned after the ending of the original where, I mean, like, I know in the book they say, like, the the clown is like a, a spider or whatever. And, <laughs> and at the end of the, like, original film, it was just a really cheesy spider. And they're like, how are they going to end this? And I thought they did uh, very well at the end of it. You know, how, you, you know, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone who hasn't seen anything. But I just thought they, they ended the movie really well in Chapter 2. And overall, like, you're going to have criticisms within it, you know, about, like, that in any movie. But... It's for for the casting and both chapter one with the kids and then chapter two with the adults. I thought they did a fantastic job and creating a you know a storyline that you can watch. Like two hours and fifty minutes for me was 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 nothing in that second second movie. I thought I, w- I was able to you know follow along. I know I heard some people say oh it just it tapered off. It was a little long at some parts, but I mean I like that. I thought it it needed that because it's definitely a long book, like you said. And for them to condense it into. I think a total of what would it be maybe a little over about five hours, a little over five hours. That's um, insane. And I think that it was, it was a great job with how they were able to take that story and make it into two parts in the modern day. So with the effects they had. Absolutely. Sweet. Um, <clears throat> well, yeah, before we get into music, let's talk a little bit about spooky shit and yeah. scary movies. Mm-hmm. Um I'll just ask some really black and white questions yeah. here. What's your favorite scary movie of all time? Hold on. Hey, Jake, what's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, I have... <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is so tough to say. Like, I mean, because I've seen so many. Like, I've seen, like, going back to when I was a kid, like, saying, like, Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, yep. I love those as a kid. Mm-hmm. But um, growing up, I I just realized, <laughs> okay, these movies are kind of a little cheesy, but they're nostalgic. Okay. But I really, I mean... As of recently, like, you know, I, it's hard to say, but like, I really liked uh, Ari Aster's Hereditary. Okay. I don't know why, but as of recently, like, I'm just thinking of a movie that, that, um, cause I know you've talked about yeah, Midsummer, yeah. which was, uh, well, it was, it was definitely, um, interesting, <laughs> but, um, I'm thinking of all those classic yeah. movies and I've, I've gone through so many, just like we were just mentioning moments ago, just so many bogus movies be movies you know be horror that's just crap and um but i mean i just i I guess i don't really have a favorite because it's hard to say but like going back to like halloween and like nightmare on elm street are definitely cool but as of recent like the one i've liked the most you know that i've seen in recent years was hereditary i don't know why i don't know people hated that movie but like yeah 
I kind of like that weird culty crap that um there you have no idea what's going on in the movie but then it comes to you know it all comes together in the end yeah which really wasn't midsummer but hereditary <laughs> did have that aspect and i like that stuff where i i do kind of like that aspect of a horror movie where i walk out of the theater like what the hell did i just watch that okay. was so weird interesting but it still comes together in a story yeah. uh midsummer i know i don't want to go into that because i know you talked about that but that i liked aspects of it it was very cool but yeah. it was one of those things like i don't even get what the storyline was but i think recently i liked hereditary because it seemed like the most authentic that took a different turn for a horror right. movie it was trying to be different taking something that you know almost could happen it's still a little off but it was unpredictable i kind of don't like those horror movies where like okay now there's gonna be a jump scare okay this is gonna happen this okay yeah i'm not even scared like hereditary i wasn't scared but i was like what the hell? <laughs> okay, like I actually felt something, like a little scariness to it, factor to. But I guess like it's, I don't know if I can pinpoint on a, a scary movie. It's like you know the classics, but as of recently, it's probably been like Hereditary that stuck out to me as okay. something that I, that kind of genre that I like to watch. Okay, but I would ask the same thing. Like, what do you? Unless you have any thoughts on that, but on my on my answer, do you? What is your what is your scare, favorite scary movie of all time? Okay, yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, I'll address that quickly. Um, <laughs> so obviously, like I made my thoughts on Midsummer very clear. Yes. Yeah, I haven't seen Hereditary, and yeah. Midsummer turned me off to that because right. I didn't feel like I would enjoy it. Right, and I had literally. After that podcast, I had some people like, yeah, you're right. Don't watch that. Right. And then I had other friends that were like, dude, watch that. You, yep. will, it, it's, it's so much different. Like you'll, yeah. and, and so I'm, I'm flirting with the idea of giving it a shot. Right. Like what's the worst that can happen? And you might not like it. Yeah. I, I, I know it just, it, it's a different kind of horror movie, but I guess I just been so indoctrinated into like the same old horror movie that when I saw it, it was something different. It stuck out to me so, for sure. And I guess that's kind of my thought of Midsummer. And I mean, if I want to be in this industry, I should stop being a bitch and just watch it. Right, but I mean, but, you don't uh, have to watch it if you don't want to. You know, I mean, um, yeah. Okay, favorite movie of all time for horror: The Faculty. Are you oh, familiar? Yes, with Elijah Wood. Yeah. Yeah. Like that where they're like aliens or like the faculty are like oh, aliens. Fuck yeah. Yeah, so, I've seen so that a awesome. few times. Yes. It was uh man, that's just such a great nineties cast yeah. and one of those yeah. one of those things where it's just everything's executed well, but it's just fun. It's like right. you're not I'm not like, oh my God. And like I remember watching that in fourth grade and right. I was like, this is badass. Right. Like I wish my teachers were aliens and I got right. to like, yeah. like kill them all. <laughs> just like, like this is so sweet. This is not a person. Like, they're, they're an alien. And that, you know, I feel like overall that's what that this genre should be is it yeah. should be an escape and it should be mm. this uh unique platform to tell a good story. Yeah. And definitely. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Recently one movie I've fallen in love with, mm-hmm. and I used to call this a guilty pleasure of mine. Yeah, but now I have the balls to say that this is this. It's not a guilty pleasure. It's just right. a terrific film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer's Body. Okay, is that with Megan Fox? Megan Fox okay. and yeah. um, Amanda. I can't pronounce her last name. Oh, right. I couldn't tell you. Hey, but Tom, I, I, Tom, what's her last name? Seafried. Seafried. Okay, that sounds familiar. Yeah. And uh, what's cool about that? So Diablo Cody wrote that, mm. or wrote that, and um, she did Juno. So okay, yeah, yeah. she's a local girl. Right. She wrote Juno, and mm. uh, 
think it was the Crystal Target store in yep. the Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, we studied her a bit in film school, which was cool because right. she did a lot of really unorthodox stuff with the way she wrote her screenplays. Right. And um, kind of was one of those people where they're like, oh, my God, you can't write this way. Like, you can't you can't envision things this way. Like, mm. and yet, like, Juno became super successful. Right. And she took her Minnesota roots with her and was like, obviously, Juno is so, like. Well, <laughs> so, if I'm thinking of the right movie, that's like, that's with Michael Sarah, right? Yeah. And, and, and uh, J.K. Simmons. Yeah. And, and uh, who's the. Oh, Ellen Page, Ellen Page, is the girl. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's like so non-horror, you know. Yeah, but, like, but it's, it's it's such a good movie. Yeah, and the is, dialogue yeah. is so authentic. Very and funny. She movie, puts yeah. so much of that mm-hmm. Minnesota culture in there, yeah. and um, so Jennifer's Body yeah. is a horror film, and she wrote that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she produced it too. I I don't recall off the right. top of my head, but so. She wrote Juno, she wrote Jennifer's Body, and there's one other feature length she actually like wrote like as her own major uh feature length and I think that was what was that called? It starred like Charlie's Theron and that was another Minnesota based movie. Okay. Um yeah. I think that was uh God I can't remember. Yeah. But anyone who knows what I'm talking about knows what I'm talking right. about. <laughs> I think I know you're talking like with Charlize Theron. Like that sounds very familiar. I can't get the title. Yeah, mad. So it's kind of cool. Right. Like you know, she's got Minnesota roots. Mm-hmm. And normally, I'm not into that stuff. I don't really care. Like mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't really belong in the Midwest. I feel, but right. um, I I think it's cool though. For some reason, right. for some reason, like my view is different with film. Right. Like there's actual talent, and like we're gonna get into exactly. this about like music and stuff. Right. Where it's like. Oh my God! Prince is from Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota has got such a thriving music <laughs> right. scene, and it's like the fuck we do. I don't think we do, but but, I, but for film, like right. we do have mm-hmm. you know the Cohen brothers and like Diablo Cody's yes. from here, and um, you know Judy Garland was mm-hmm. from here. Yeah, like yep. there actually is people who have been successful in that industry yeah. from here, and well, even like going like uh, I mean. Chris Pratt, you know, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, that he's guy from too. Yeah, Winona Ryder. You're right. She was born yes, here. yes. Exactly. Thank you so, so much. Like, I forgot about that. Yeah. So there's like more. Like, yeah. there's so many people here that have made it in the entertainment industry. Yeah, and, and, and uh, I mean, we can't forget right. the best film of all time was filmed at the Mall of America, Jingle All the Way. Oh yeah, with with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sinbad, Sinbad Phil, Hart, Phil right. Hartman. Oh my gosh, The Big yeah. Show, the right. wrestle, the yep. Big Show. Yep. Oh yeah. my god, come on. That was that's like the. Well, other than that, in, in Christmas Vacation, that's one of the uh, you know top five holiday movies you know, <laughs> that you can watch during the holidays. So when I was very young, and we were in the band, we played a show across from Mickey's Diner in yeah. St. Paul, yep. and we went in to get some dirty burgers and fries. Because yeah. oh, have you ever been there, the M- Mickey's Diner? No, oh, I have not. Bomb. But I want to get there. So it's, good. It's, it's, it's so, so good. Nostalgia. So we were in there, and my friend was like, "Where do you want to sit?" And I'm like. Well, we got to sit in the same seats as Sinbad and Arnold did and Jingle All the Way, right? Right, right. So I literally <laughs> YouTubed it and I scoped it out. <laughs> so we sat in those seats. And anyways, someone from that venue came and was talking to us about our band. Yeah. We end up signing autographs and taking a photo or something. Wow. And I have no idea why. Like, yeah. we were, right. weren't shit. But yeah. I was like, I don't care that we're not shit. But the, f- I mean, like, this person was nice and I'm flattered, obviously. Yeah. And that's super kind of them. 
But the fact, like, this happened while I'm sitting where Arnold Schwarzenegger sat and jingle right. all the way, like, that that's oddly freaking awesome. I, I would be, I'd be, I'd be ecstatic about that because I now, but I forgot about that scene. But I remember they're in there like talking about like the holidays and being upset or frustrated, and like, that you look that up like to find where Arnold. I'm sitting where Arnold Schwarzenegger was sitting, the Terminator. <laughs> you know, so, like, this is, I digress. Back to Megan Fox yeah, and yeah. Jennifer's body. Yeah. So that film that Diablo Cody wrote, so fucking sweet yeah. and it's so badass, and it does like. Honestly, one of the best things a horror film can do is just be fun and entertaining. Yeah. Yep. Where like you don't have to buy in like it's so crazy and like yeah. all this super dark shit's yeah. happening. Yeah. Like you're just like enjoying these yeah. people on screen and then something brutal happens and it's like, right. "Whoa." Yeah. Um but Megan Fox, I th- honestly I think she's underrated. Yeah. Like um she's a really I think she's a fantastic character actor like mm. Yeah, she basically just does the vapid hot chick thing, but yeah. she does it yeah. very, very well. Right, like and in Transformers, that's where she like got her exactly. Start. Now, but yeah. I, I really think she's got a lot of talent. Yeah, um, definitely. Amanda, Tom, what was her name? Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. Um, she did great in that. Um, J.K. Simmons was in there mm-hmm. too. Um, mm-hmm. It was. For some reason, he's in every movie that takes place in Minnesota. Right. And uh, Devil's Kettle, which is the fictional town in that film. Um, forget that state park where that it's got that like water thing where the uh, it just kind of like it's like a whirlpool. The springs? Or yeah. Like the, the spring? Yeah. It's yeah, like a yeah. whirlpool that like disappears. Right. So that's, yeah, uh, that's yep. in that film. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's fictional because right. it's Devil's Kettle. Right. But like that's kind of mm-hmm. sweet. And, right. um, yeah, I I flew I've been I've watched that in the last year and then I watched that on a flight to Dallas, Texas earlier this summer and uh it's like literally the exact same length as my flight. Right. And I was like that was damn good. Right. Like everything I want from a film. The ending is god, one of the perfect endings ever. Mm-hmm. Um, if no one's seen that, like, don't be a bitch. Just watch it. It's so good. Well, I, I really, well, now that, I, I remember seeing trailers for it, and I think I when it, when the trailers were coming out, I was probably only like twelve or thirteen. So I'm like, I can't go see this or whatever. So I mean, it came out like what, like yeah. nine nine years ago or like almost um, 2011. I 2011. Think. Okay, so yeah, or was, maybe 2009, something like that. Yeah. But I remember I was just young when I could see it. But I'm like, I remember just seeing. Megan Fox. I think Megan Fox was my <laughs> celebrity crush back then. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, back whatever ten years ago. But like, I just I, I th- forgot about that movie. And, and uh-huh. you said it was filmed in Minnesota or it was based in Minnesota. Or yeah, I think yeah. it was filmed here too. Filmed here. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, yeah that's that's definitely like I, I definitely have to watch that. But I just remember I just remember when it was coming out. But it's definitely lost my mind. But I'll have to check into that. And like but, if yeah, sorry. Well, no, I was gonna say, but bringing up the faculty just going back that because that reminded me of the movie the thing yeah with kurt russell like that old kind of movie that that was i watched that obsessively like a lot like a lot when i was a kid and i yeah. I, I would consider that one of my top i just that i thought i mean the effects are definitely outdated but i thought that was like a really cool concept and an awesome movie that they that they did nice. with that so big trouble in little china yeah oh what was that Big Trouble in oh, Little yeah, China. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Do you know that one? I don't think so, no. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Okay. Wait, what is that? Kurt Russell. Oh, yeah, no, I haven't seen that. No, I don't okay. know what you're talking about now. I was like... Tango and Cash? No. 
Okay. Are these Kurt Russell films? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I only really know. I really only know. Well, God, God dang it. Um, like Miracle and okay. like the thing yeah. and like that movie where he gets like uh, grabs or like pretend he's married to that wife that's rich. Or okay. like she gets thrown overboard and hits her head or something, <laughs> I, and it was super rich and she's on a yacht. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't recall that one. <laughs> and he he tries to make her convince her that she's his uh, his wife, and it's what it was called. It was, it was like it was called like overboard or something. Okay, uh, viewers might know what it is. Gotcha. But. I don't know. <laughs> it's a funny movie, but that's, okay. I don't know any of those movies you listed. But okay, correctly. that's okay. We'll move yeah. on. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, it's all good. Um. Yeah, you know, like when you find odd comfort and like weird things, like one thing is Minnesota in September and October and like fall and Halloween and just that a taste in the air and the leaves falling right. on the ground and like just that glow in the sky at yeah. dusk. When I watch Jennifer's Body, that like puts me in that mode because it's like a right. horror film yeah. made in Minnesota mm-hmm. and like just... You can relate to it. Yeah. Completely being here and it was filmed there. Or yep. Filmed based here. Yeah. Yep. So like that's literally one of those films now where it used to be a guilty pleasure and it just sticks with me and I always think about it. Right. And that fucking ending is so sick. Like that's like, mm, man, that's it's so perfect. Oh God, it's so sick. Make me want to watch it now. Like really bad. Like, I'm, yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's get on to... Talking about your band. So before this podcast with you, I listened to your album, Hollywood, um, on Spotify. Yep. Um, I was at the gym this morning and I was running and I was listening to it. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, no, it was was cool. You guys have um, something different going on, which is, I know... I used to be part of that universe, so to speak, especially at the local Minneapolis scene. And um, there's just a lot of stuff that's not interesting. It's, uh, I don't know how to describe it. So It sucks. <laughs> cor- correct me, because we're a few years apart here. So correct me if anything I'm saying, like you don't, it's different now where you don't relate to it. But Right, no, go for it. What I remember is... Everyone was like trying to out indie each other, and it was this weird, quirky fucking shit. And like, um, God, if I could come up with names of some of these jackasses we played with, um, but yeah, it was no one was you didn't go into a venue and see a band play, and you were like, Oh my god, what was that? Like, it was always like the fuck like what a joke who are these people and that was kind of a lot of the what the scene was and it was almost like so it was like from afar you'd like oh this band doesn't take themselves seriously they're just kind of quirky and comical Mm -hmm. but you'd talk to them and they were these fucking cocky assholes yeah and it's like oh my god you're completely bought into what you're doing they're completely serious (laughs) like do you you not realize you fucking suck (laughs) yeah i know and so like that was what the Minneapolis scene was. Yeah. There was a few other rock bands because we were like, um, I mean, we tried to do grunge but make it different. So like, we were told we were like a mix of Offspring, Bush, White yep. Stripes, Nirvana, 
kind of a, a blend of yeah. different things we were influenced by. So we stuck out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was good, but it was also bad because it just wasn't fun because you know I always thought once you got to that um level where you were trying to be professional and like build connections and move forward like you would meet all these like-minded people and you would like create this little like circle of friends and you would all like go to these clubs and stuff and play shows and it was like it's like god everyone fucking sucks like I should just quit and go back to college. This is terrible. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but, like, when I listen to your band, it was a little bit, it's different, which is good. And when I listen to your album, Hollywood, um, I'll say off the top of my head, my favorite song was Hanging On To Yesterday. Do I have that yeah. correct? Yes, you're okay. correct on that, yep. That was, like, the one song that really stuck out to me. Like, that was one of those songs I would kind of go back on and like yep. restart it from the beginning, mm-hmm. get 30 seconds in, I'd restart it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, <clears throat> through this album, listening to it, what it kind of reminds me of, um, and you can take this however you want to, yep. because people would say this stuff to me and sometimes I would be like, oh, that's awesome. And yeah. sometimes I'd be like, that's just fucking dumb. Like, yeah, I know. Like what? That's not yeah, what I'm going no, for. No, I know. Yeah. But if I had to come up with something to like analyze yeah. what you guys are a combination of, it kind of reminds me, I see elements of Blink-182. Yeah. I see elements of Third Eye Blind and yep. I see elements of AFI. Okay. Yep. Um, and yeah, so I guess I want to know what some of your influence are. Uh, what your influences are and with a variety of different influences, how do you, well, like tell me a bit about your band, what your influences are and how with a variety of influences, um, how do you find is the best way to like construct a song? So, um, obviously if you have two very different influences and you're trying to like build a song using those, like you have to kind of build this foundation from the ground up and right. create something unique. So like, how do you find is the, what do you find is the best creative process for that? So, I mean, yeah, that, yeah, it's kind of like a difficult question to like completely answer. Cause like, but like what's simple enough is like so many bands try to almost, it's like they try to emulate one band. Like you don't know, going back on like the indie bands and the indie band scene that you're spot on. That's, the, that's how the scene is to this day. All right. I'm glad and, nothing's and, changed. And, <laughs> Minneapolis scene. Everybody sounds like the strokes or, or whatever. They're trying to be like one band and trying to be, try to emulate one maybe local band that got famous out of, uh, out of like a local area in this case being like Minnesota. And, but we didn't want to be like that same old, same old, like, you know, kind of just fit in with everybody else. We wanted to be different and yeah. we kind of wanted to be just stick out. We, we didn't want to be doing the same thing that everybody else was doing. We wanted to be different. We, we kind of all listen to stuff that everybody growing up from when we started playing music when we were in middle school, like 10 years ago we were listening to things that no one else was listening to. And there were still people that would listen to it, but like very few people, everybody was listening to mainstream, you know, pop garbage or, or just 
crap indie or whatever that was out, and we were listening to stuff like you know Queens of the Stone Age and fuck yeah, you know uh, like Foo Fighters. You know, we played. I think one of the first songs we covered was like Pork and Beans by Weezer. You know, stuff like that. Nice, and some old school Weezer. Um, and like we had a we we even listened to a lot of like Bloodhound Gang, um, <laughs> a lot of weird songs like that, and you know like Nirvana and you know Stone Temple Pilots, Pearl Jam. Soundgarden, you know, and going to like Audio Slave and and then, you know, Blink one eighty two, Sum Forty One, you know, we really I think at one point we were so damn obsessed with the song Fat Lip by Sum Forty One. We tried <laughs> to keep playing that, but it was just so tough at the time. But like stuff like that. So we tried to take all these I think we just didn't want it it's hard to say, like we didn't when we started writing music here in like in the last few years and kind of leading up to Hollywood, we didn't want to try to be like one band. We we just kind of did like okay, let's. It's almost like what naturally came to our head, and we would sit on a guitar and like my my guitarist, the guitarist Aiden, um, would would come up with a rift, and then I would kind of even suggest him something else to like, oh, what, maybe you should do this, and I'll kind of like hum something like that could go on to the next progression, and it would almost be like natural. Um, just what we're thinking in our head. It just seems like it's totally our music. And when it comes out and it, it's recorded, it sounds like a combination of like some of these bands, like you said. And so I think what we're naturally doing subconsciously is just taking all these influences and kind of merging it in almost like one sound and not trying to take one sound maybe from one band and just tweaking it a little bit and saying we're something new, like some of these indie bands trying to be like just the next the next strokes or cage the elephant or whatever. But it's it's we just we kind of put into our writing process and just trying to create something. We wanted to create something different, like, okay, this sounds totally different. We want to have a hard, raunchy, just authentic rock sound almost and just kind of but i think it naturally we're not trying to take our influences per se saying we want this to sound like blink 182 we want this to sound like nirvana we want this to sound like foo fighters but we grew up listening to that stuff so much that i think it naturally just pours into our music um but trying to create something unique but we think that those kind of bands like queens of the stone age and even like foo fighters and nirvana not a lot of people our age were listening to that stuff growing up and we just thought those bands were badass and um you know even stuff like red hot chili peppers you know we 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 love those guys growing up and what was what what made us really weird though growing up is that we listened to some like really old school red hot chili peppers like uh like um their 80s stuff like it was super funky like they had an album like uplift mofo party plan or something from like 1985 or something <laughs> yeah. so we didn't we listened to stuff like predating like under the bridge but going back to like my point is we just listen to stuff that was so different and we try to um intentionally create something different from what everyone else is doing and we just subconsciously just i think take stuff a combination of stuff from all our influences and put it into a song and that's kind of like what our our product is so yeah lovely um yeah i relate to that so much on Mm. so many levels so it's been a while um we were talking um kind of off air or off mic here um during our break um i consider myself fully retired from music and being in a band that world ended for me and um i've moved on but um i have lots of experience kind of in that especially with the local scene and some of the business side of it too and um kind of like I think what you've said, you really hit the nail on the head there in regards to your influences and how to 
utilize it to inspire your music and inspire you as an artist yeah. and a songwriter because yeah like you said like i think a mistake people make is well i like this band i want to emulate this yeah. like let's use green day as an example yeah. Yeah. like yep green day is awesome like i want to be green day and yeah. you try to be green day yep and like you might make some cool songs that kind of sound like Green Day, but, but everyone done. everyone knows yeah. you're trying to be Green Day, and I'm sorry you're not yeah. Billy Joe. Like yeah. it's just a fact. No, whether you like him or hate him or <laughs> like what you whatever you think of the music, like you you know you're 17 years old or right. whatever. Like mm-hmm. you're not Billy Joe. Exactly. And the best thing you can do is be you. Like that's the one advantage you have over anybody else is that you are the only you. And that goes for everything on the planet. Yep. Like everything in art, whether it's art, film, writing, um, in sports, even to yep. an extent yep. in your professional life, like that is literally the only advantage you have over anybody else is that you're the only you. And what happens in art is you spend so much time trying to emulate someone else instead of being expired, uh, inspired about what they did and trying to em- um, incorporate that into like whatever you are. And sometimes it takes a long time to experiment and kind of figure that out. Yeah. And um, one thing I always struggled with is reflecting on my group, which ended with us signing a record label, pulling out, and then me quitting. And I have no regrets because yeah. that was everything aligned and that led me to everything I'm doing now. So I have no regrets on it. But the one thing I learned is that I had um, – but when I was a songwriter, I would always pressure myself to be like who I liked the most – Like, I think what got into my head as a songwriter and, like, really fucked me up was, you know, you take your favorite band or artist and, like, someone who really impresses you and affects your life and impacts you emotionally. And it's like, I want to do that. I want to do that for someone else. Well, the problem is, like, sometimes, like, you can't emulate that. But what you can emulate is you can take certain things from that songwriter or that artist that you like and really worked well for you and take something from that and incorporate it into yourself and then take something you like from someone else and incorporate it into yourself. Um, One thing that really messed me up is like I would focus so hard on like a band I loved. Like, Mm -hmm. so for me, it was Breaking Benjamin and like to this day. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that is such an A-plus, perfect band. Like, mm-hmm. just that singer, lyrics, melody, um, vocal talent is just pristine. And so I listen to that. Like, if I'm at the gym or something, and I'm fucking getting amped up, and, like, I'm yep. adding, like, some plates on, and I'm fucking doing dumbbell, yep. I'm, I'm, like, lifting harder, I'm running harder, and I'm, like, got to... I want to do that for someone, but I can't like, I, I can't quite do this. And so like, that's kind of like the pressure you put on yourself where it's like, no, I need to take like, what do I like about his lyrics? So what do I like about like the hard, soft dynamics? Like you take some of those things and you incorporate that into the things you do well. And you take that with other artists and other bands and you incorporate that. And that's how you become original. Yep. 
which I feel I was good at, mm. but it was so hard to separate myself. And the worst thing you can do as an artist is compare yourself to someone you admire, I think, because yep. it's kind of like a standard you can't live up to. Yeah. So I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but that's kind of really what did it for me um, as far as struggles with creating. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely points like when I was, uh, you know, when we were younger, I think we were definitely trying to be like, you know, a Kurt Cobain of Nirvana and trying so hard. You know, we're like 14 <laughs> yep. or 15, like every other 14 or 15 uh, year old. Away, yeah, like the first 17 years of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but it, it is so easy. And, and not to say when I said earlier that you shouldn't try to be like one band. You you should. It is great to admire like, uh, you know, a, a specific artist that you really like, but but take elements of that and put it to stuff that you do uniquely and turn it into your own thing. Because every famous artist has, you know, influences. It's not that they just pulled it out of the ground and exactly. whatever. Like Kurt Cobain was loved loved Queen. He loved the Beatles. And they yep. also loved like the Dead Kennedys and some of that punk stuff. So and, he was like, yeah. hey... Yep. Let's take what the Beatles did with this poppy melody yeah. stuff yeah. and let's throw some fucking grit and yeah. aggression into that. Right. And then that's what created Nirvana. Yeah. And the, and that entire grunge scene, quite frankly, Absolutely. you know, in Seattle, which we could go on about, like, yeah. you know, on a whole other topic. But yeah, they kind of took that, that whole, you know, sound and made it their own, you know, kind of like a fast punk slash melodies of the Beatles made it a slower punk with melody, you know, mm -hmm. um, with, with a little, like you said, grit. I think that's a great word to describe it. But it, it, as an artist, like, you just want to. You want to take influences, but just, you know, kind of, and I know it kind of is just, it's hard to like feel this, but like just kind of naturally um, take those influences and put it into your own music I and mean, your own work, but also put a unique spice to it of your own, of yourself. Totally. Um, don't copy it. And one of my, actually speaking of Kurt Cobain, this is a quote from him yeah. that's really good. But it's uh, nothing of me is original. I'm yeah. a I'm a combination of everything and everyone yep. I thought was cool, yeah. which is like That's absolutely true. Yeah, yep. Because like, if you really think about that, and again, it doesn't just apply to music yeah. or yeah. like art, but like anything in life. Mm -hmm. Like that's totally each individual is just part of this spider web of like yeah. all these different people and all yeah. these different things that influence you and inspire you. Yeah, and that really creates who you are. And like, yeah the best musician. So like I can sit here and compare myself. Like I'm not as good as Ben Burnley from breaking Benjamin yeah. or like this, Yeah. but it's like, I'm sure he sat there and he was like, you know, I'm not as fucking good as Dimebag Daryl. Like, right. I can't a rock a crowd like him. And like, right. Um, you know, I can't shred a guitar like Kirk Hammett or yeah. whatever. And like it, everyone's the same. So you have to take those elements that inspire you and just kind of combine them and create, find, find out who you are. And right. that was, um, I think we figured that out when we were in a band and signed to a label, but like, I always struggled with it because right. I couldn't, it was so hard to like train myself to be detached from it. Right. And just exactly. be like, Hey, this is a good song. Like you made a good song. Mm -hmm. So I was like, God damn it. I'm shit. Like right. I don't sound like I want to Ex sound like this, and I don't exactly. Sound like that. <laughs> and we've had we have had things where we're trying to like if 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 you listen to like our music like on Hollywood or we had an EP that came out, you know, almost a year ago now. It's very you know just traditional rock, you know, guitar, bass, drums, you know, and our singer and stuff. We've been talking how to add more music to it, more sound because we've listened to a lot of like you know, Bring Me the Horizon, 
Nice. Um, and like Lincoln Park, which did, a, yeah. did a great job with adding so much more elements beyond just the basic instruments, you know, with like a uh-huh. DJ and then like an awesome keyboard sound yeah. and electronics. And we've, we've, we've wanted, we've experimented with some of that stuff and haven't really said anything, but that's a direction that we might want to try to go and just, but, but not emulate like uh-huh. Lincoln Park. We, 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 like in the last couple of years, like when, when Chester, when Chester, um, committed suicide, which was horrific. We we listened to like a little more Lincoln Park than we usually have done, but it's one of those things like they do this stuff really well, where they add a little electronics into this, and like we should yeah. try to do this. But then we're like, hold up, we don't want to try to be Lincoln Park, but we want to take elements of our music that we already have, but just kind of add a little, you know, electronic flair into it. And we've flirted with that a little bit. Nothing's come out of it, you know. The future yeah. will tell itself, but something like that that that's so easy to fall into. I want to attach, okay, let's be Lincoln Park, you know, just create a, you know, let's be exactly like them, you know, but you got to just slow down and like, okay, what's our own sound, but also to incorporate those new things if you want to evolve as, as, as a band with new sound. So for sure. That's interesting. You bring up Lincoln Park because yeah. um, they've had a big impact on me yeah. L- literally Same. since uh, Chester died. Yeah. Um, I think if I was still writing music right now, yeah. I would really be trying to take things that Chester did, yeah. and I would be trying to emulate that into my own sound. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always liked that band; they yeah. were good. Yeah, um, I really liked them when I was in those teenage years, yeah. like the younger, like preteen, teenage years. Like uh, I don't know that music; it was like edgy yeah. and like brutal, but it wasn't like. It wasn't over the top. Yeah. And it was like um a lot a lot of my friends I think could relate yeah. where like Chester's like lyrics and just Lincoln Park's sound really got us through some mm. weird times as yeah. dumbass kids. Yeah. Definitely. And when he died, it was fucking crazy. Yeah. Because I, fuck, I was listening to KDWB at the time. Whoever doesn't know what that is, that's our like top forty pop station here. Yep. And I remember being interrupted and it's like breaking news chester bennington singer of lincoln park has committed suicide and i mean that was the first time in my life where i mm-hmm. heard something like that as far as like an artist that i um you know was somewhat close to myself yeah. and like that i that i knew a lot of and um you like connected with lyrically as well. Exactly. Like, Cause yeah, it was, I grew up yeah. with it and mm-hmm. it was, I really do think Chester mm-hmm. Bennington was like the Kurt Cobain of my generation. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, man, that, that was such a hit to mm-hmm. the industry, not only yep. from the talent aspect, but he was a good dude. Um, yep. we were talking before we got on that, uh, you know, my, my inspiration of, podcast was um heavily influenced by Loveline with like Dr. Mm-hmm. Drew and Adam Carolla and like Mike Hatherwood and um Chester Bennington was a guest on that show over the years. Yep. He must have been on it I don't know, between like five and ten times. And I would always listen to those older episodes. He was definitely on a lot during the yep. Adam Carolla days and when you hear that guy talk, man, yep. he did not have a bad bone in his body. No. And like um revisiting all that music after he took his own life 
What? You like listen to the lyrics and you're like, fuck, this I, is I get deep. it. I get yeah. it now. Oh my God. That's what I was and, saying. Um, yeah. I mean, you like, like you knew it was like deep and like kind of like he was obviously talking about like anxiety and depression, yeah. but now you're like, okay, I was just kind of listening to it because it sounded awesome. You know, <laughs> I, I was, was kind of I was 12 years yeah. old and right. like, I was just like, yeah, you it, know, like when my, when I first like discovered my older brother. Uh, was downloading them when I was like 10 on iTunes. So when I got an MP3 player or iPod, I just got them. I just synced them onto my iPod because I just wanted music or whatever. Yeah. So when I listen to it, I'm like, ah, oh, it just sounds cool, you know, whatever. This is, yeah. but, but like growing up, I, I still listened to them like growing up before yeah. Chester died, but it, it was, but what was super weird. Uh, what was super weird is they released that last album, I think One More Light, which I thought was great. It definitely was a lighter um, yeah. take on their stuff, but I thought it was have you ever Have you ever seen the videos, like the live videos? Yeah. Because that was the last performance yes. they did? Yeah. My God. Like One More Light, that my was God. just, oh my God. I actually that, like, teared up when I, I, I said too. I was me like, too. I don't tear like, up it, to it, this it, stuff. Yeah, it takes yeah. a lot, but like, when he is doing um, that piano version of yeah. Crawling and he's yeah. in oh, the crowd yeah. and yep. people are hugging him and- yeah. That's like, insane. Oh my God. Like that, that just crushes your soul. Right. And going off on lyrics. W- w- yeah, I know. Like I saw that and it's like, oh my gosh. And like when I heard the song heavy on the radio, oh my, like, yeah, like, right? like it, I think it was like in March when it first was released as a yep. single b- before that July that he passed away. Yeah. I'm like, wow, this guy must be depressed. Like, wow, <sighs> this is like, yeah. and kind of jokingly, but like, this is, this is a pretty, like this song about depression or something. And then what's and then talking about another musician that you know committed suicide like three months before him, Chris Cornell. Right, on yeah. the day he died, like yep. he played one more light. You know, Chester Bennington did live on. I think I don't know if I think he might have been on Jimmy Fallon or one yeah. of the late night and then late night shows. And then um, that song was pretty you know you know deep. And then three months later, he he took his life, and yeah. it's just like whoa, these lyrics are deep. Like wow, yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I revisit those songs now and they have a completely different effect on me than they did before, which is kind of sad, but also like that means he's going to be remembered forever for what he did. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, no, I I really think that he's the Kurt Cobain of this generation. Definitely. Have you ever seen the interviews he gave on uh, depression and mental illness on the like radio and stuff before it was, I mean, within weeks before he... Yeah, I think I saw one where it was like a week before he committed suicide. He was talking about depression or yeah. something. And it was it was really weird. Like he was talking about it like super deep about how like it was like it was almost like something he's in his head like it he could not like it was hard to des- hard to describe what he was even talking about, even if you watched, but he was just saying how there's just this aching thing in your head that you cannot yeah. put off yep. and totally. just you can't escape and but you try to do things that temporarily try to block it out but it's still there and it's just always like a numbing you know pain there which goes back to like the song numb or whatever but like yeah. um he was just talking about how like it's like you can't escape it and it's just always there and it's just like something in your in your head that you just cannot you know get rid of or escape yeah so, i uh yep i same video is what i watched yep. and uh do, are you familiar with the conspiracies at all? Well, I've heard. Uh, well, so <laughs> heard I don't. A few, yeah. So I don't want to honor these too much right. because I think it's very important to yeah. respect what they went through yeah. and um, what they felt was necessary to end their pain. Yeah. Um, but there is some interesting stuff, so I don't yeah. want to get too far into it. But I know him and Chris Cornell were friends. Mm-hmm. Um, they died. I believe he died on Cornell's birthday, right? Yeah, I think he died on Cornell's birthday, and 
pretty much like I don't know if it was to the day of three months, but about three months that he had committed suicide. But I know they were both part of some anti-human trafficking yeah. thing, and that yep. was a very big thing they were both mm-hmm. into. Um, they both hung themselves in very similar ways. Yep. There's been conflicting things about people who are close to them. However, like mm-hmm. it's obvious um, Chester was in a lot of pain. Yeah. So like, I do not want to downplay the yeah. severity of mental illness yeah, and depression. Definitely. Yeah. But... Um, you know, if you see what's going on in the news now with, um, Jeffrey Epstein and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. yeah. um, it's, it's kind of interesting to ponder, but I don't, I don't really want to get into that because, Mm -hmm. uh, it's important to just honor them the way they decided to go. And, uh, but yeah, um, I don't sing much anymore. I don't get much pleasure from it, but Mm -hmm. I do occasionally now love to belt out Lincoln Park songs. Yeah. And I love to fucking scream and pain it's, just like Chester. And um, yeah, it's so fun to do that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, he gave that to me. So that's, um, you know, that's good. I, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of other people around the world who can feel the same. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, yeah. Sorry, go on. Well, I was going to say, like, before, like, moving on is that what really hit me was, I think, the, the, and this goes beyond Chester Bennington, but during the, you know, tribute, uh, I think, to his death or whatever, and I think it was in Los Angeles or whatever, in yeah. the stadium, but they, they sold it out, um, and they literally just had, they, I think they had different artists come on and cover their music and everything yeah. like that. But I think the one song that I, I didn't see it all, it was like three and a half hours, but I, the, yeah. the one part I saw. Aaron Lewis, yeah, right? Yeah, Is yeah, that what you're going to say? Well, well, not Aaron Lewis, like okay. Stained, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, yep. not that. That's, that was great. But, okay. Aaron Lewis, yeah. sorry to interrupt. Yeah. No, you're good. Aaron Lewis is like my favorite songwriter yeah. of all time. Yeah. So when he did that, that country version of Crawling. Yeah. And he started breaking great. down. It's like, yeah. oh my fucking God. Yeah. I, I, I literally can't finish that. Yeah. Like I can't handle this. Yeah, yeah. That was that. That was. I don't want to downplay that because that was awesome. But yeah. The one I was gonna get to is, is it was near the end. I think it might have been one of the last near the end of that whole tribute. But I think it was just Mike Shinoda that came out, and um, who is the I think the other singer slash rapper in, 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 in <laughs> he was he was the god the guy, guy who uh, wasn't the, important the, the, guy, the guy who's known as saying caught in the undertow just caught in the undertow like a numb or whatever yeah yep. but he came out and they did in the end the song in the end and um he came out and was i think still doing a back i think they were just playing a backtrack but he did his rap parts but then during the choruses the crowd would sing the the um the chorus yeah and, and just and it was insane and I was watching it like I think I just saw it on on the internet. I'm like, okay, this is just a tribute. And when it got to the chorus, and the entire crowd was singing, yeah. like goosebumps, right? Like it's like he impacted this many people for them to for this many people to be singing and know his lyrics. And at one point, he was alone in a room, pretty much writing these lyrics about what he was feeling. Yeah, and how it impacted all these people, probably even helped people through some tough stuff. And now he's gone, but like all these people are singing his songs and it was just goosebumps and it just goes back to tell you that in general in music um you know hopefully you're still alive but that you you can influence people in a, such a positive way through yeah. just music and song and it's just it's awesome and that 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 tribute kind of made me realize that more that music can really hit people and just change people's lives so no ab- yeah. absolutely and um yeah i mean i uh 
I mean, I really love Lincoln Park now. I grew up mm -hmm. on them. Mm -hmm. There's a period where I was like, meh, they're okay. Yeah, but same here. Yeah. But I mean, if I'm being very critical and reflective, I can honestly say there was no Lincoln Park before Lincoln Park, no. and there will not be one after. No. And um, that's kind of the point, yep. you know, mm -hmm. be you. And mm -hmm. we can take all these, like, inspiration from him and what he did, but, yep. like, you know, he... Uh, he probably struggled with the same creative processes and, yeah. um, you know, he, yeah. uh, but he did him and yeah. that created Lincoln Park and now yeah. a un very unique sound. Yep. yep. And, um, yeah, I think that's kind of the goal from Definitely. everyone. So fuck all these indie people who <laughs> no, right? like, are trying to <laughs> be quirky and weird and suck ass yeah. and, Everyone and, else trying to emulate something else and just regurgitate the same stuff over and over again. Yeah. Um, let's see here. So, I don't know. So, <clears throat> I'm going to go into one more thing here. Yeah. Um, so, like, what are your goals short-term and long-term? Like, just off the top of your head. doesn't have to be concrete or anything, but if I were to ask you that right now, like, 12-hour day, short-term, long-term goals. You're in Minneapolis in the shit music scene with all these douchebags. Well, I think... So, I think... I think so, sorry, that was no, not... That no. was not good uh, publicity for you. No, I, I, I don't think we care at all because <laughs> um, we're trying to stick out, so whatever, you know, as long as we're controversial or not, I don't care. Um, but I, I think, like, short-term and long-term goals is just like, you know... I think I think everybody as a band comes into this like yeah we want to become famous and I think that's where we were when we were like fourteen or fifteen yeah no I don't care I want to just want to become famous or whatever <laughs> yeah. but I think our goal is as a band whether it's short term or long term is to you know of course you have those like typical goals is like get signed to a label and and all this stuff and make a living off it ultimately but I think our ultimate goal as musicians is to make get our music out to as many make first of all make a sound that's different than what that what anyone else has ever heard before yeah right and positively impact and influence as many people as we can as possible um and change their lives because when you listen to a song in general whether it's your little kid and you're listening to the freaking barney song or whatever <laughs> to now you're older and you know it makes you feel happy it gives a, a emotion it's an escape it makes you feel happy it triggers a positive emotion and i want we want to i want to and i think all our band members ultimately want to get our music out to millions upon millions of of people to positively influence them and it, and if that comes with being able if that comes along with making money where we can make a living off of it because it's getting those millions of people who are buying our albums that's great and all because we're making a living off of that but that's not the goal is to make a lot of money it's it's it comes down to if we're making a living off of it and we're selling a lot of albums that means we're positively influencing that many people and that's what we kind of want to get to and another thing about like I hear so many bands in the local scene saying yeah fuck the fuck the radio i don't want to get on the mainstream radio let's let's say it underground but it's like but how are you how are you supposed to get your music out to more people for them to hear it like i get the underground part you don't want to sell out but you still want to get your music if it's a unique sound that you truly appreciate that you want other people to hear and to get through all the other bs that's out there you got to get it on the mainstream radio you got to get it out there into the mainstream to kind of break the mainstream in a way and that's kind of where we're at is just 
try to keep making good, unique music and hopefully it takes off to a point where we are influencing and positively impacting so many different people and they're they're it's it's in a it's in a way that's different from what anyone else has ever heard before. No, absolutely. Um so something uh you bring up something I remember. So I totally agree with your view um mm-hmm. of mainstream like yeah you need to crack that in order yep. to get recognition. Yep. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to be like this Sell top uh, yeah. Maroon 5 or yeah. or Justin yeah. Bieber or something. Right. It doesn't even mean like you know you couldn't fit into that world somehow, yep. um, which is kind of the problem. So years ago, um, the Foo Fighters were at the Grammys. Obviously, the Grammys are bullshit. Yeah. They're <laughs> BPS. No, no, no <laughs> la- person who like has a le- genuine love of rock and roll is going to watch the Grammys and be like, this is awesome. Yeah, right. Fucking. No. When Bastille wins a rock and roll record or like a rock and roll award over the Queens of the uh, over yeah. Queens of the Stone yeah. Age, like no, fuck that. What like hell? good God. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Anyways, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Um uh. But Dave Grohl gave us he won a, a yep. Grammy. And yep. I think I was watching with my parents at this yeah. time. This must have been like twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen or something like that. And Dave Grohl gave this epic fucking speech yeah. like he won an award and yep. you know you've got rihanna there and beyonce and yep. taylor swift all these and, yeah. yeah all these like pop super mainstream pop yep. stars and dave Grohl goes up and he gets that grammy yeah and he's talking about like hey if someone wants to be the next nirvana you go grab a drum set you throw it in your garage you yeah. grab a shitty guitar and That's like so get great. with your you friends and have yeah. fun and fucking suck yeah because right? you'll suck and you'll learn how to make music yeah. and you'll put your soul into it and then eventually you won't suck yeah and you'll like work hard and you'll get better equipment and you'll sound better. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the only way there will ever be another Nirvana. Yeah. And he's talking about like music is about like what's in your head and like what's in your heart and nothing else. And like, he just gives this yep. epic speech to like everybody and like yep. everyone freaking like went bonkers mm-hmm. and bananas mm-hmm. over it. And it's like, hell yeah. Like, yeah, I guarantee like what, I think that's awesome that he yeah. went into this this like kind of this environment where the Foo Fighters probably weren't that welcomed. And, yeah, definitely. Um, now he's, I mean, the Foo Fighters are like a part of that. They're in yeah. that show every year. And, yeah. Um, I think the last cool thing, um, which ended up being bullshit, but uh, Metallica playing with Lady Gaga. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, they cut um james hetfield's mic off yeah. or whatever yeah whatever that controversy yep. like that was that was intentional and mm-hmm. oh yeah definitely i heard he went back and fucking like killed some people or <laughs> beat some people up yep. or something rightfully so yep but yeah that's the type of stuff man like that like mm-hmm. music needs that like yeah. let's like combine some stuff and it's like right if you're a rock band you should be able to like fit into that that right. mainstream crap like we all everyone does it for the same reason and you, you might speak to different uh types of people and groups and whatnot but it's like yeah fuck all these these indie cucks yeah and they're and it comes down to like you said like indie is well there's such th- these people are like hypocrites you know they're 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 saying no we're indie we're not a part of this mainstream crap yet you and we're not conformists you know but you guys are conforming <laughs> to the same stuff and and these people are the same. We, I've talked. We've talked to a lot of these bands, and these people are not 
they're like scared of the mainstream because they think they'd be selling out. We're like, we want to be underground and stuff. It's like go into it and be a like a Dave Grohl and and break it, impact it. Because like you bring up a good point with the Grammys because like I I always said this is that you see all these top tier artists you know in their glam and glitter and all their like Taylor Swift and Rihanna and and Justin Bieber in their top fancy suits and all this crap, and then you see Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters. Dave Grohl's wearing like a black shirt and like tight black jeans. He's <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like that's that, that's uh and, and like even I, I even saw like Travis Barker a couple years ago at the Grammys he was wearing like a a cut off sleeveless you know shirt and, sh- and gym shorts and someone asked him like on the on the red carpet or whatever hey why aren't you wearing a suit and he's like I only wear suits to uh, funerals and uh, and court or something <laughs> nice and so I'm like that that is badass yeah. right there by so. the by the way uh, sorry to interrupt did you yep. go to the Blink 182 Lil Wayne concert on Thursday <laughs> I did not so no. I oddly really wanted to check that out i yeah. just didn't want to pay for it right same here i, I i've seen <laughs> like, I, I, yeah i well i saw like, them three years ago at at the same the same venue yeah. in st paul then i saw them at mystic lake i feel like i was like sure I, I, i've already seen them a couple of times but i was curious to see that but i don't know if so, i want to pay the money <laughs> i saw um i love that episode of joe rogan with travis barker on yeah it. i think it's one of his best yeah. and travis barker's so dope yeah such a cool dude and he was just, you know, he fucking goes and drums for all these rappers. Like yeah, he's, I know. He basically drums for Skylar Gray, mm-hmm. who's like mm-hmm. one of my favorite female artists. And then he was on tour, like drumming for Lil Wayne or something. Yep. So like, I was oddly curious to see if like, was Travis Barker going to come on and like yep. fucking drum on like Lollipop yeah. or something? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah, just go nuts. Yeah. Oh. All right. I had to ask. Yeah. Um. All right. I have more questions, but I want to save these for when Aiden has a chance to make it onto this podcast. Yeah, like our, we're going to be able to dig into some deeper shit. Yeah, it, it, again, like that's for you viewers. That's my our lead singer of the band, and he definitely has some strong opinions, if not stronger than mine. If you thought mine oh, was strong, for sure, he definitely and he has a different perspective on things too. Just being because I'm the drummer, he's yeah, the yeah. he's the singer. We all have different perspectives in what we play, so he um, for sure we definitely can save that for when he's on the on the show. Yeah, well, hey, if it makes you feel good you're like the most intelligent drummer i've ever met oh really yeah you can actually yeah. formulate sentences and you're not drooling right just like like i had to throw a drummer joke in there. right no i i, I totally we, uh, feel that because we always used to that. do that like yeah. um yeah fucking i was <laughs> it was a, such an asshole i was used to do that on stage like yeah drummer would like break a snare drum and it'd be awkward and yeah. like you'd have to get like the chain replaced and fixed and whatever and so we're trying to kill time so i'd just be in the microphone like making drummer jokes in front of like 50 people and like right it's like you fucking prick and i'm yeah. like i i didn't i don't know what to do like yeah i'm, I'm gonna make drummer <laughs> jokes <laughs> yep that's the perfect instance like uh, i would love that honestly I, th- I think i think in a couple of shows they made a couple of jokes about me like i think i dropped my drumstick like at the end of one song, so it didn't affect anything. And I think Aiden was like, "Well, typical drummer, always losing things, whatever. I don't know, something like that." But I'm like, "Oh yeah, I mean, it's it's hilarious. I love when people make fun of me. So <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I wasn't offended. So yeah, yeah. You're probably the only drummer in this country who has a bachelor degree from like a top <laughs> university. <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> just but, okay. I'm uh, I'm done. <laughs> that okay. might offend some people. Yeah, but yeah. I don't need a bachelor's degree to be a to live life or whatever. But. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So I'm going to wrap this up with uh, the music portion with just a yeah. few basic questions. So 
Who's your favorite artist of all time? Oh my gosh. Well, that's changed throughout the years. Like I know like growing up, I mean, I, I think like when I was when I was younger like middle school, it was definitely like the Foo Fighters um yeah. and stuff like that because I, I love Nirvana, but finding out it was I was mind-blowing when uh like I found out that Dave Grohl was the drummer of the Nirvana. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, and he makes awesome kick-ass music." But it's it, it's kind of like evolved into like I can't I can't pinpoint on a on a favorite artist because I've been influenced by so many yeah but like Foo Fighters growing up was a huge one that I really got into like The Offspring and um like some forty one and Blink one eighty two like old school Blink one eighty two and then I really got in like even as a like and then but like going into like like Chester Bennington like Lincoln Park like in that genre that like new metal stuff like that hits so hard like it's all it's it's hard to pinpoint a favorite artist at this point like i I feel like i wouldn't get to that point where i could say several artists like i'd have one but like lincoln park and and like bring me the horizon and even bring me the horizons dope yeah they like that stuff it's fun and different it's just so cool and a little fresh they yeah definitely and they really change their sound really well like from their old hardcore stuff in like 2005 to like a still cool lincoln park sounding stuff but unique yeah but i I I did I I I've always liked Weezer, but I saw them live in concert um, last uh, this past March, and they were amazing. Actually, like okay. I, I was I was, I, I was a little surprised. I'm like, okay, they're a little poppy and stuff like that, but like they played some of their old school stuff, and like my name is Jonas and like Buddy yeah. Holly, and like that, that stuff is like is is super dope. Like I love that stuff. But there is one band that really kind of influences our sound to this day. I kind of like forgot to talk about. Like they're my probably my favorite underground band. I don't know why. And Aiden loves them too. He kind of showed them to me. But I don't know why they're not more famous than they are. They sign a kind of sound like the Foo Fighters, but they're a band called Basement. Okay. Out of the UK. Interesting. I, I encourage anybody to to listen to them. Um, their new album was okay, but they have a album called I believe it's called Promise Everything that came out in like 2015 or 2016 or somewhere around there. But they have some really kick ass songs. Like they have a really cool Foo Fighters sound, but grungy sound at the same time. And yeah, again, they're out of the UK. They actually opened for Weezer and Pixies. The show I saw, Pixies were actually pretty good, by the way. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, just a little bit. Just, just Pixies just a are bit. okay. They're okay. They're, they're sort of relevant. They're sort of relevant. They whatever. But they opened <laughs> up Basement. Actually, but going back to Basement, they actually opened up for them, and it yeah. was weird seeing them at a bigger venue like that. Um, being that I feel like I would see them at smaller venues, but they were kick ass live. And Aiden's actually seen them at a small venue here in the Twin Cities, and. Uh, they have really cool music, and they definitely have an influence in some of our our music. And they're definitely like a top, you know, underground band. And a recent band that I got into in the last couple of years, and that I've listened to a lot. And I encourage you know a lot of people to listen to. But I mean, going back to your question, I mean, I just kind of went off on a tangent, but it's it's hard to pinpoint a a favorite band as I have so many different ones that I've listened to in phases, and I've had favorite bands, and you know, that have changed over the last ten years. So okay. Um, one band that's newer that I've fallen in love with yeah. is uh, Bad Wolves. Are you uh, familiar? Oh yeah, yeah. God damn it, that band is so good. Yeah, they are really They're good. Just they hit on every yeah. level. Mm-hmm. That first album is pure gold, note yep. for note, mm-hmm. start to finish. And they just released another single, right. and I think their album comes out the twenty fourth or twenty fifth of October. Right. And this last single, like my god, I literally yep. listen to it at least ten times a day because yeah. it's relevant to something i've been going through recently so it's one of those like 
almost spiritual things where it's like the song comes out that you discover right right when you're going through something and it's completely reflective of it and it's almost like it was written just for you yep and that's this last song killing me slowly yep and i'm just like oh my god yep and i fucking love that band so that's like the last band that i've uh fallen in love with and I'll be seeing them out in Las Vegas in the first week of November, and they'll be with uh, Five Finger Death Punch oh, really? and Three Three Days Grace, who wow. I also love. But Bad Wolves is like, mm. man, they've won my heart hardcore. I literally, I think Bad Wolves is like, have you ever seen the show Metalocalypse? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I, I did a while ago, so, but that show's right. great. Yeah, so, yeah, Bad mm. Wolves to mm. me, like, they're like the real life version of that band. Like yep. that's what they're going to become. Mm-hmm. I'm calling it now. Right. Everyone reflect on this episode like <laughs> 10 be, years from now. They're going to be bad wolves. New band. Are, yeah, bad wolves are going to rule the world. They'll be 10 times more famous than the Beatles. Right. And fucking uh, Tommy Vexed will be the real life Nathan explosion. Right. Mark my words. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and going off of that kind of topic of like new rock too, is like, I think like five or six years ago it was just kind of crap you know the stuff that was coming up the mainstream at least not like local stuff but like as of late speaking of news i've actually you know that kind of reminds me i've gotten into like uh, a band called highly suspect yep they I'm have familiar. really good stuff I, I i like them i so, think they have really good stuff yeah what do you think of royal blood uh, oh uh, yeah i what is that uh what is that one song that came out a couple years ago that was like their famous so like, out yeah. of the black was the first and yeah. then it was um I, I only lie when I love you. Monster. Or, um, or, or what oh was God, it? what was it? Little monster. Yeah, something um, like that. But I know it. I know what you're yeah, talking yeah. about. Yeah. So funny story. Yeah. So man, um, a few years like, must have been five years ago. Right when Out of the Black came out, yeah. they were still like cutting their teeth as yeah. a band. And I did a show. Actually, it was. Um, Tom's band, our producer, yep. his band had a show at the, no, not the Poor House. Mm, what the fuck was it? Um, Mill City Nights. Okay, yeah. And um, I like agreed to just fill in and work it because um, he had the same manager that my band used to, and yep. uh, he wasn't there, and I just kind of like filled in and did, you know, boring like business shit and whatever. Yep. Um, sold merch, whatever. Um but Tom's bass player and myself, we got free tickets to the Royal Blood show at oh, nice. Mill City Nights yeah. from um, Nick and Josh from like the 93X Half-Ass Morning oh, really? Show. I literally don't even remember the yeah. story, but um, we met these Nick and Josh somewhere and fucking, because we were at Mill City Nights, we got like two free tickets to... Royal Blood, but the after party with Nick oh, and wow. Josh. And at the time, I was kind of like, no, I don't really give a fuck. Like, yeah, I'm not going to go. Yep. And then, like, six months later, I'm like, God, I am so dumb sometimes. Yeah. Because that, then they, like, they had those other singles come out. And then I was like, why did I turn down a party, a free mm-hmm. party with, like, Royal Blood, yeah. like, six months ago? Mm-hmm. And now they're pretty big. Yeah, they're, like, really wh- big. Yeah. What else was I doing on a Saturday night? Yeah. Like, what was I thinking? So, that's that's my Royal Blood story. Right. No, yeah, they're a good band. Like, I know that they had, like, I think that one song, like, I Only Lie When I Love You or something sure. like that. But, yeah, that's the one. It, like, was mainstream. Like, yeah. so, yeah. And Mill City Nights, I think, is, speaking of that venue, I think that's now closed. Rightfully so. Yeah, so... All right, my next question, what is your guilty pleasure for music? Like, what do you enjoy that 
is just a guilty pleasure of yours or something that most people would never suspect you like? And I'll oh answer gosh. this. I'll answer this too to take some of the pressure off. Oh my gosh! Well, there do you is- want me to go first? <laughs> yeah, you can go okay. first. Yeah, definitely. I absolutely love Kesha. Really? Like Kesha's? Okay. Oh my god! Absolutely right. amazing. Right. Um, I can vibe with Ariana Grande. Mm-hmm. It's just right. uh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's chill. It's just mm-hmm. like it is what it is. Yeah. And uh, used to like Taylor Swift too. The new pop stuff sucks, right. but I actually like the more like country stuff. Yeah, yeah. That those are my guilty pleasures. I would say uh, it, it's kind of fun. I mean, people love love him, but I've listened to a lot of Jack Johnson. Okay, uh, you know the the the, the uh, Curious George soundtrack. Curious George soundtrack. <laughs> but I I remember I think it was just like one day like I, I've 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 listened to it before and I heard it when I was a kid and I I think one day like a I think like five or six months ago I'm like what's that song that I remember from when I was a kid I was just trying to look up something new and I, yeah. like it was Upside Down by Jack Johnson you know the one that goes like Upside Down yep you know and it turns out like beyond that Curious George album like he's made. He actually makes some really intricate, good, deep music. Beyond that's not just for kids. Like, like he's got a like unique love heartbreak and stuff like that. He's got a he's yeah. got a very unique guitar style. Yes, too. and I a lot of people don't suspect that I listen to that stuff. And he's yeah. I, I'm not necessarily embarrassed to say I listen to him, but yeah. it's just I listen to a lot of hard stuff, and he's super soft and and stuff like that. But I. I really it it rela- if I want to like get relaxed or something yeah. and I'm stressed I'll listen to I'll turn on some Jack Johnson and um I'll uh I'll enjoy myself and it, it I, I think he's just an excellent um excellent artist at what he does so that's awesome mm-hmm. yep sweet yeah I feel that about Kesha like yep. um I have another good friend of mine who's similar to me and he also loves Kesha yep. Which she's also someone where you would yeah. never, ever, ever think he right. would like fucking Kesha. Yeah. And so, like, we'll be like going out or something or like getting ready for like an adventure. Yep. And it's like, you in a good mood? Like, yeah. And I'm like, all right. Well, we know what we need to listen to. Yeah. And he's like, put in the fucking Kesha. <laughs> Kesha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll fucking sit there. It's a blah, blah, blah or TikTok and like get right. just fucking amped up. <laughs> and it's like, this is going to be the best night ever. Well, uh, another thing, like, like, <laughs> This isn't like way out of left field, being that I like listening to rock, but like once in a while, <laughs> I'll listen to like just for the hell of like some really hard screamo stuff that no one would ever expect I listen to, like like Chelsea Grin or um, what was the other like Suicide Silence, yeah. who makes some brutal music. And uh-huh. I don't listen to it a whole lot, but like I'll like listen to it. I'm like, I actually think some of this music is good, even though it sounds like a bunch of screaming garbage. But like I'll I'll listen to it once in a while and I'll be like, you know what? I just I bang my head to it and it just sounds like I feel it. But I mean in reality the music I mean the guitar, the drumming and all that is amazing is amazing, but yeah. it's just the you know, the screaming that can turn people off. But for whatever <laughs> reason, sometimes I can just vibe with it. Right. I don't know why. Have you ever heard the uh song If It Means a Lot to You by uh fucking a walk to remember? Oh, a day to remember? You mean? Maybe, or, yeah, yeah. Day, I, I, I confuse them. One's a movie, <laughs> movie and a book, a movie, and like, yes. one's a band. Yeah. So, day, <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I can't, I can't pinpoint it exactly, but I've listened to a lot of a, a day to remember music. I actually, I like that. Yeah. Band a lot. So that yeah. song is like targeted towards like thirteen year olds. Yeah. And yeah. man, that fucking wrecks me. Like, <laughs> really? I'm just like, oh my You're god. You're like uh, bringing me back to my third, 
13-year-old <laughs> self. At, that it's, will, a, it's always relevant, like no right, matter right. where I am yeah. or how mm-hmm. old I am. Like mm-hmm. that song is always relevant and it always wrecks me. Yeah, and th- like the one song too, like that's totally <laughs> about high school, um, like Anthem by Good Charlotte. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like that's just totally yeah. always, vi- like it's it's so it's overplayed, like you've heard it, but it's just like, I, I don't want to be just like you. Like it's just like, yeah. How about Complicated by Avril Lavigne? Oh, like, yeah. I heard yes. that in seventh grade yeah. and I'm just like... Yeah, I like Avril Lavigne, whatever. And then yeah. now I'm like, fucking get it, Avril. Like, right, you exactly. Sing a, you sing a girl, I get it. Right, exactly. <laughs> or like, I'm just a kid by Simple Plan. Like, that kind of stuff. Like, it's just like you vibe with it. I'm like, I'm not a kid, but like, I still feel like a kid. So it's like, this song just hits me. But All right. You might have gone over this. I'm going to ask this question anyways. Yeah. But what's a weird influence you have personally that some people, people wouldn't suspect or it might be a surprise for people i can go first too if you yeah, want me to you go for it yeah um michelle branch okay yep. okay for yeah whatever reason mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know i must have been in eighth grade and it was like her and nirvana yeah were like that's what inspired me between them both of them and whatever influence but like that's what inspired me to go buy a guitar and learn how to right. play guitar mm-hmm. so that's kind of weird because everything i've done you kind of like trace it back and yep. it's like <laughs> michelle branch nirvana like what right exactly like like for me it's kind of a combination of things so the first music i listened to that i think got me into rock in general is I, my parents kind of in, they didn't indoctrinate me but that's just because what I was around like what when I was younger I, I wasn't old enough to be like I want to go listen to this band yeah um it was it was always what they were listening to that I would For hear sure. so it was always like 80s music and stuff like that and um and then my dad loved because his my grandpa loved listening to like Johnny Cash so I love Johnny Cash and I think I I, I I don't know if it's necessarily weird, but being that I love rock so much and I, I, I despise like modern country at least, people don't see that I would like Johnny Cash. But right. he was like the first artist that when I remember when I was like three or four, I listened to. I'm like, what is this feeling? Like, I mean, that feeling when you like artists, like, yeah, I, like, like, you know, kind of like love. Haven't, I guess I haven't really felt that like that deep connection with. No, I know, but, I know what you mean. But like, it's, it's that just that interesting, like, yeah. uh, that kind of shock that goes through your yeah. body, and it's like, whoa. And and Johnny Cash, like the you know, like the Folsom Prison Blues and stuff like that, and yeah. some of the fifties and sixties style that he had, just kind of hit me. And I, to this day, I still will listen to him. And that kind of, I think, got me to, like to this day that that what music, it, why it's so powerful, and stuff like that. But like to this day. Like up to now, I'll li- I'll turn on some '80s stuff. Like my my dad would listen to you know like Talking Heads, okay. Um, you know like Burning Down the House and yeah. those kind of stuff. You know like David Byrne, I think is a singer, and that's the kind of stuff that people like wouldn't expect I'd listen to. But that kind of stuff in '80s style and kind of influenced me. You know, it, it kind of influences influences me to like this day to create a, a unique sound like some of those bands did and. Um, not necessarily become an '80s band, but um, but just that stuff. Still, um, I try to incorporate something different and try to listen to something different from my basic stuff that I listen to. Right on, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So when I grew up, um, my dad was big into Neil Young and the Beatles, yeah, yeah. and Neil Young was like that was like my pastor on Sundays because I was just always playing Sunday mornings yep. in my house. Yep. I grew up on that. Like Old Man. Yeah. Like a great song. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Cash was always yeah. around. So 
I have a funny story about that. So I thought about this recently and it's like, you ever remember, um, um, specifically for me, this is Johnny Cash. It could be someone else for you, but I remember being young and like driving around with my dad in his truck and he'd be like blaring Johnny Cash and he'd be like, Oh, th- this is real music right here. Yeah, like, I know this shit. Like yeah. the shit you listen to, it sucks. Yeah, like you don't know. know you don't know what real music is. Your generation, yep. Yep. you know, you don't get it. Mm-hmm. And then I, I always have, I have this hilarious vision in my head of being older. Yeah, and I'll be in like this lifted fucking truck yeah. with like kids. Yeah, and I'll be blaring like "Rollin'" by Limp Bizkit. <laughs> yeah, and I'll yeah. look at them. This and I'll is be music. like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'll be like, "You guys fucking suck. Your generation sucks. <laughs> yeah. This is real music." I know. And like, I fu- that fucking cracks yeah. me up because yeah. that's totally gonna happen. Yeah, I know, right? Like you're gonna be blaring. <laughs> like I-, I just can imagine those people who like I would go to Warp Tour and I would see like those hardcore people that would deck out and like stuff and then go nuts for like those hardcore bands like a like a Chelsea Grin. I don't I don't know if you've heard of like a band called Attila. Um they make some pretty hardcore. Not. Yeah, they're really hardcore. I mean, some people may have heard of them that are listening in, but they're just like really hardcore bands, screamo and I can imagine them just going down the road or like driving with their kids when they're older and playing this hardcore screamo stuff. This is real music right here. You, this, your soft stuff is is nothing. This is Mrs. real music and the, 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 they'll be looking at their parents like what like in a weirder way than we looked at our parents for listening to like some yeah. of that older country like just blaring screamo in 20 30 right. years will be this is this I also think, think trends recycle so yeah. i think by the time that rolls around i think there'll be like a potentially not like i'm not super invested in this but i right. think there might be a market for like guitar oriented rock yep cuz everything will go in such a pop route and edm route yep people will be like this fucking sucks and then someone will like pick up a guitar yep. and oh my god what's that that's so cool and yep. it'll become trendy yep. and then you'll have like bands like Jack White and Queen mm-hmm. of the Stone Age will be like what's cool yep. and then you'll have like a you know a recycled trend maybe like I have no idea like I said I don't right. invest in that heavily yep. but I think it's possible no definitely I think but that, I think yeah. it <laughs> I think it's funny cuz you know like same thing you could have like some really weak shit just like some uh like justin bieber or something be like yeah this is what i listened to growing up and it's like what the fuck is this and (sighs) like they're trying to like you know they're like rock has a has like a kind of hit it's like thing again and it's like popular and they're like listening to guitars and heavy drums and yeah like what what the fuck what who listened to this like who no. thought this guy was good or something like well i feel like there are people like that today that for sure our age that are like well, can you <laughs> listen to this like i know people that just listen to edm or like that really poppy stuff and yeah rihanna and they i, I show them like like even just something as simple as the foo fighters like eh, it's okay it's like uh okay whatever you're wrong but whatever like you know but i even know i know they have their opinion but but yeah and stuff like i and like another artist that's on the rise right now is is billy eilish she's like oh that. I, okay you got to hold on to that because yeah. i got something to get into here <laughs> okay all right soon. all right all right yeah i'll hold on to that okay um but yeah just in general like there 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 is music that even today that people just don't like people our age that they you'll you'll show them to listen tell them to listen to it and they just don't like it because they're they're into something totally different all right so <laughs> let's segue into the next thing i want to get into yeah. here yeah as you brought it into uh or you brought up billy eilish yeah 
So, what are your thoughts on the conspiracy theory of the Illuminati? What are my thoughts on the Illuminati? Well, what, uh, I, and just a couple words here. Um. Well, uh, it's. I feel like I have heard the Illuminati probably a billion times over the course of my lifetime. Uh, <laughs> there's something about it on the dollar bill, and the uh, there's a world government that is controlling every action about every thing in the world and essentially owns everything in the world. That's what I've heard about the Illuminati. <laughs> Do I think it's true? I don't think so, but it's definitely an interesting concept to think about and the history behind it as well. Perfect. This is this will be lovely. Um so we were talking a little bit before we uh we're recording here. It's about conspiracy theories. Yeah. And like some of the popular ones and the common ones. Um, I like to talk about them because it's fun. I don't like to act like I... So I don't fully believe in anything, like, as far as conspiracies go. What my goal in talking about this and bringing attention to them is that the people who do talk about conspiracies are usually idiots. And they make it sound fucking crazy and they don't know how to speak. (laughs) They don't have any really logic behind it they just so what i like yeah so like my goal is like what i want to do is i want to bring attention to what the, this what a side is to like a conspiracy so you've got two sides you've got like um we'll use area 51 because i've been talking about this a lot yeah. recently on this mm-hmm. podcast so you've got one side like oh here's what area 51 is and here's what's going on there and then you've got the other side that's like oh it's total bullshit you're crazy yep what i want to do is i want to present the side that believes in it i want to present the logic behind it because most people suck at that right so i want to go over some historical events and what possibly is happening what i think might what it might be and it's kind of it's fun to talk about. Like, look, it I is. was I wasn't there. I was I can honestly say I was never at Area Fifty One. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody else was. Like, the only people who've ever been there will never talk about it mm-hmm. openly, aside from Bob Lazar. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> and he might be a cook too. Like, yeah. we don't know. I yeah. Um. So, like, what we can do is we can talk about both sides of it as rationally as possible, yeah. and just have some fun thinking mm-hmm. like there might be some crazy stuff out there that's yep. bigger than we are and yep. like what we see in this world like it, <clears throat> there might be more to it than just what's available to us and i think that's kind of fun and i think we need that in society right now as this political climate is crazy and everyone's at each other's throats like let's talk about some crazy shit and just you know what if and right. that's all i want to do mm-hmm. yeah i was gonna say like it like you within the political climate like you want an escape and it's good thing because there are conspiracies where people yeah are just idiotic about it going crazy but you know it it is cool to talk about these things because there is like with the illuminati there isn't there is history behind it there's actual people that there is what we could call maybe evidence to it um that you can interpret in different ways but there's actual logic behind a lot a lot of conspiracies and that's what interests me about conspiracies is i in a boat where they're probably not true um you know in a sense of they people want maybe to um explain they want something to be bigger than themselves on this on this earth yeah but, absolutely but 
definitely it's interesting when you have the time like when and the and the you know the space to talk about it like we do right now it's interesting to talk about that there maybe is actually evidence to support some of these conspiracies and to an extent and to interesting to and the interesting and you know kind of talk about the possibility of it possibly existing yep absolutely so as we're talking about music a lot in this podcast, I thought the Illuminati would be an appropriate thing to yep. discuss with you as, mm-hmm. a, as my guest. And I've read a lot about this over the years, and I thought this was a fun one. I thought it was fucking crazy and a lot of BS <laughs> yep. and a lot of dumb people running their mouth over stuff they don't understand. But so what I've done is I've like done research over time. And I tried to say, okay, if the Illuminati was a real thing, let's like, and it was just blown out of proportion, but there was some legitimacy to it. And it was a a real legit thing. Like, what would it be and why? And so here's some basic like research I've done over time that I've compiled. So the Illuminati is based off this group called the Bavarian Illuminati which was formed in 1775. I want to say it was Germany. I don't have it off the top of my head. But this was a small group of professors, poets, astronomers, philosophers, and basically they're all intellectuals that started a secret society over in Europe, and their goal was to replace Christianity with a religion of of, uh, reason. Um, So this group started with a very narrow circle, and... Um, as they grew, they started reaching out to disciples and students. Like I said, they're all intellectuals and recruitment expanded and eventually men of wealth, um, high rank and social stature began to enlist into the secret society and this society began to gain attention and it expanded pretty largely. So it went from Italy to Denmark to France, and once it grew attention, um, some of the European governments began to force its disbandment because it became a threat. And so once it was disbanded, the this large secret society sort of broke off into these other secret societies. And um, so what happens, what do you think when you have a really large like se- group of people and then you break them off. Um, so you have good ones and bad ones, right? Right. Um, that's kind of like my take on it. And well, so, yeah. well, I was going to say, like, if you, well, if, because they spread out and break them off, like, yeah, so you'll have like good ones and bad ones. And, and when you, when they spread out, one, you, you not only, you have influence over many more different parts of, you know, of the world in this case. And, they might run in different different ways, but they exactly. all have different ideas on how they should run these separate. Like they're all part of maybe one, but they all broke up. But they're all starting to become like their own set of rules and what they should try to exactly. Regulate. So you have this really small consolidated group of yep. like intellectuals, and they might have a goal, and that goal mm-hmm. might be good, but they expand, and then you have someone coming into the circle like, mm-hmm. "Well, hey, like." you know, what if I did things this way or like they have a different vision and Mm -hmm. maybe they're not good. And then, um, so you have some bad apples kind of infiltrating it. And now you've got these different secret societies breaking off and you've got these bad groups. So instead of becoming in, uh, 
just a anti-Christianity group that is more about science and reason, it kind of goes in the opposite direction, which, um, and this is kind of the conspiracy side, but supposedly Illuminati means a light bearer, which uh, the theory is it's a light bearer for Lucifer. And I think the correct term is like Luciferians or something. Mm-hmm. And um, so you got these secret societies that break off. And the theory is that one of these small groups eventually were over in America and they were part of what the Freemasons became. Yep. So centuries later, they grew into power. They grew into government. Government got corrupt, blah, blah, blah. Let's just go to present day. So the idea of the Illuminati and the music industry is basically there's this global superpower of all these secret societies Mm -hmm. and they worship the devil they control the media, they control yep. education, they control the military industrial complex, they control the banking industry. They basically run everything. They run the world. And they're the epitome of evil. Now, you can take that literally or metaphorically. So, are they legitimate Satan worshippers and like Luciferians? Or is are they that in the sense of they want power and money and they're greedy and they want to control people. Is that literal or is that metaphorical? I think that's an important part to consider in something this big as far as a conspiracy goes. And I think that's where you lose a lot of people because again, nobody really knows this is all theory and Um, A lot of this is historically accurate, but again, like where it leads to now is all theory. Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to say like, there's like what, what's interesting about the Illuminati and this conspiracy is, is I've definitely heard about like the Freemasons and there's actual documentation out there that shows that they're like the Bavarian society like that, or uh, did I get that right? The Bavarian, the Bavarian society. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, the Bavarian society, like that all existed. Um, I mean, at least from what documentation shows, but how it spread out and like came here, that's where the the all the theory kind of gets gets into in modern day uh, modern day you know aspects and and what they're controlling. And I think where you lose people, like you're saying, is the literal literal or metaphorical part. And I thought I think a lot of people would just think just blow, brush it off when they when they hear a lot of the crazy people say it's you know. Um, like, oh yeah, they literally worship Satan and, and they're, they're summoning the devil into this and they're like, ah, whatever. But I mean, but the greedy aspect and the power aspect is, which is the metaphorical side is definitely something that could be more logical. And that's where, you know, people might be able to, you know, you know, kind of get attracted to the, to the theory a little more. Absolutely. And all of those things, money, greed, power, Mm -hmm. that is the root of all evil that does go against Christianity so in theory, yeah. it could be, you know, Satanism in a sense, but just yeah. in a more metaphorical yeah. sense. And, you know, it doesn't mean they're sacrificing yeah. fucking animals and yeah. doing crazy shit. Yep. Um, so now, okay, so like we're going to skip over a lot of stuff and mm-hmm. we're going to go right to the music industry yep. because the the conspiracy about the Illuminati controls the music industry to influence the main population and get them to vote politically, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Um, anyone listening probably understands what that is. Um, so, <clears throat> again, it sounds really crazy and bizarre, 
But think of it from like a corporate structure. Like if you're a company and you make a lot of money in this country, like generally you have some type of political influence on a very, very high scale, yep. right? Correct? Mm-hmm. So if it's not really unheard of that you would influence your customers to be swayed in a political direction, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So let me get into something here. Have you ever heard of Vivendi? You know, bef- I know we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, but I I briefly have heard of it, but I never really get heard into like what exactly it is. But I know that you're briefly explaining it before the podcast that it's pretty intricate um, in what the the you know what it all entails and the kind of the theory that goes behind it. Okay. Totally. So Vivendi is a French mass media conglomerate, and they own a gigantic um, crop of companies in the TV and film industry, advertising, public relations, book publishing, music, and video gaming. Um, They're heavily vertically integrated, um, specifically in the music industry, which I will touch on in a minute. Um, So... Forgive me for reading. I normally remember stuff off the top of my head, but well, it's a lot. So yeah, I'm going to read just because these are stacks, right? Uh, stats from like Open yep. Secrets. Mm-hmm. So Vivendi, obviously, they're a a lobbying actor in the United States in our political system. So this is all based on 2017 numbers because nothing else has been updated. Um. So the amount of money that has been lobbied by Vivendi in the United States political realm, they rank 254 out of 4,278 um, eligible um, lobbyers, lobbyists, I should say. Campaign contributions rank 1,039 out of 19,226 um, who are eligible. They've lobbied $3.9 million between 2017 and 2018. And five of the six lobbyists for Vivendi have had governmental positions before in this country. 2017, their total net income of Vivendi was $350 billion, and their operating income was $130 billion. Um, They were founded in 1853, and obviously, being politically active, I won't get too far into this. They've donated to um, multiple political campaigns. Um, the most prominent will be presidential campaigns. So they have contributed to Barack Obama and Elizabeth Warren most recently. So <clears throat> let's break this down into the music portion of Effendi. So they own the big three record labels, Sony, Universal, and Warner Music Group. So under those big three, I'm going to read a list of yep. major record labels mm-hmm. that fall in between those three categories, right? Yep. Between Sony, Universal, and Warner Music Group, we have Epic, Reprise, Electra, Atlantic, Geffen, Interscope, Death Jam and Death Row, and both of those last two are uh, subsidiaries of Interscope Records. Yep. So, 
question. Going very brief into this. If you're a company that owns... Okay, so those record labels, those three I mentioned, how much money do you think that they make in a year? And of all the major artists in this country, in top 40, how many of them do you think are on those labels? Well, I would say if you own all those <laughs> labels, which have like so within each of those records, you know, record labels, there's so many popular artists that are raking in millions upon millions of dollars and going on just on Sony and, and those three that, that are on, on top of those, it they have to be making like well over. Here, hold on. Sorry. I just thought of something. Yeah. So you do a Trump impression, right? Yeah. Can you say millions and millions in a Trump voice? Millions and millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> All right, Billions. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that that was fun to do. Um, yeah, but uh, but if that 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 was Trump talking about this, exactly what he would do. Um, but you no, know, honestly, they're they're making millions of. They have to be raking in like half a trillion dollars, if not more than a trillion dollars. I mean, I I could be overshooting it, but I, they they have to be making a, a ton of money off that. One company owning all that, you're taking all revenue, and on top of that, you're another question in the top forty. I feel like top forty artists are all seem to be pop artists. I feel like all forty of them fit into one of those uh, record labels. They have to, yeah, at least close to that. So, um, digging into this, so think of this just as a corporation, right? Yep. Um, you've worked with companies that are big. Yep, billion dollar corporations mm-hmm. where like they want you to act a certain way, yep. say a certain thing, yep. speak to people a mm-hmm. certain way, yep. lose your individuality. Yep. So do you think in an industry that huge and obviously at the very top, you're controlled by the same company who controls everybody and obviously they're very politically active and have a political agenda. Do you think it's possible that some of these most popular artists sort of behind closed doors might have an agenda they're given and they're sort of encouraged to push it out into the public and their customers. Oh, oh, for sure. I definitely think that is hundred percent true. Whether that's coming from a higher power, like the Illuminati or the Venti or, or whatever. I definitely think that I've, I've said this, I've, I've, I've said this to people that I think a lot of these pop artists are Produced package individuals. They're 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 a, they're, a, they're a brand is what they're, they're, they are. They're a brand, and whether that's someone writing their music for them or they're going into public trying to talk to. I seen a lot of these artists like Taylor Swift has been politically active the last uh, year or two, and yep. she goes and on stage perfect. and just and perfect. just you're going right in the right, right direction. And here. She she she'll say things like yep. that looks like <laughs> someone's trying to push an agenda, like someone told her to and, act that way. Okay, and you know, so the thing about her. Which she never was that way. Yeah. Bef- and she was never interested yeah. in being that way. Yeah. And then one day it's just like it clicked. Yep. I, I and it's she's at her massive absolute peak right now. Yeah. And I'm calling this like this shitty album she just released. Yeah. This is her downfall. Like yeah. it's not good. I never liked her at all, but I I did. Like it was did. a guilty pleasure. Yeah, right. But she's well, country and she goes pop and yes. now she's like shit. Pop. Yeah. I don't know what she's and doing. And I don't think people care anymore. Yeah. And really she be 
went from a musician to being a complete brand. Yeah. Like she's this mm-hmm. brand and it's mm-hmm. about controversy. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's what a brand is. So like, um, oh my God, she's crazy. She writes all these breakup songs. Yeah. Well, like what a lunatic. Yeah. And then it's like, then you create another, uh, another narrative that's like, that is sexist. Ed Sheeran and, uh, uh, the dickhead from Maroon 5, they write songs about breakups and you don't judge them because they're males and, and now you've created controversy. Right. And you've gotten people to talk about something. like yeah. that's, And like this is intentional. Like all of it is intentional by the label because it's creating a brand and it's creating something people are talking about. And like that's what she is and that's what they do. And ascent, eventually that that brand fades and it's not, popular anymore and they kind of go off and they go back to their roots or they do their own thing and they're not as famous as they were at that peak level but they just kind of their career just kind of goes off and they kind of uh you know drop down and do their own thing and plateau um like beyonce for instance yep when's the last time she did something musically relevant like she had that album a few years ago that was good yep but like I, she doesn't have singles. She's not out in the media. Like the media is not covering her. Like she's done for. Like she hit her peak, and like she's super famous, obviously, but she's not front and center because they always need people who are front and center so that they can create a brand and keep printing money and keep filling these uh, these arenas for these tours and like. That that's all it's about. So they keep yep. cycling them in and out. Mm-hmm. I think that's really what it is. It's just a corrupt corporate strategy. And the yep. reason I believe in that is because that's just how business works. Yep. Uh, certain retailers yep. do that exact same thing. And mm-hmm. we're we're not going to name names, but you know exactly yep. what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And uh, yeah, but you want to know what? Yeah, I think this Illuminati group finally found their perfect artist. Yep. And I mentioned her before, I'm assuming. Her name is Billie I- yep. fucking Eilish. <laughs> yep. So here's the thing about Billie Eilish. Yep. She's the pop. People love her. Yep. Like she's got that mainstream appeal. Yep. But people who like music can enjoy yep. her too. She yep. writes good. Her lyrics are good. She's a, it's a little different. Yeah. Like, she has a good voice. Yep. There's yep. some variety in her mm-hmm. sound. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some art. There's yep. some like stage stuff in there. Yep. She is the one to bring all masses together. Yeah. And the Illuminati has been waiting for She's this. She's the chosen one. Yep. <laughs> and yep. I've, what do you think about her lyrical content? I think it's kind of disturbing for a 17-year-old to be singing about some of this shit. Yeah, like, I mean, she has like that one song, like, and I totally uh, did not think it was by her because I, I heard that song, like, Ocean Eyes, by okay. really soft sounding. Okay, good song, whatever. I, I'm not into it, but it was a good song. And then she has that song, Bad Guy. Exactly, Which yep. is polar opposite. That's like... Uh, I, I, I've heard it a few times. Yeah. It's been all over. I'm like, these lyrics are like... Or bury a friend. Like, like yeah. That's demonic. Like, Billie Eilish. Yeah. She has a lot of demonic yeah. shit in her, like, yeah. stage stuff. Yeah, and, and the way she dresses and her undertones and everything like that. It's and very, yeah. The way society is going with normalizing some of this very odd behavior. I'm not going to get too political yeah. there, but... Mm. um, Yeah, as, those lyrics like a 17 year old should not be singing that shit yep. and then like she's popular like i know people who are oh, yeah. like they call her the queen yep. and it's like i think of everyone who's influenced me like whether it's music or acting or like sports or whatever 
like I'll say like I don't know The Rock or like Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. are some of my biggest influences mm-hmm. as far as their art but also like them as people and what they've done and philosophy and at no point have I ever wanted to call either of them a god yeah like yeah. never never mm-hmm. ever because mm-hmm. they're not they're just ex- extraordinary humans sure yeah. A fucking god or yeah. a king? Like, fuck no. I know. They're like me and you. They're still a human. They, they still yeah. have whatever their opinions are. It doesn't matter whether they're making a lot of money. That doesn't mean it's right or whatever. But I do look up like people that we like. Yeah. We look up to them because we relate to them, but they're so, no way different. She's got this thing where, oh my God, it's the queen. Yeah. Billy Island. And it's like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, that's... That is weird. weird. Yeah. So I think they, find, they finally mm. found their perfect person yeah. to unite everyone and... Definitely, um, yeah. Well, I think I think that's. I, so she yeah. she's the current Nirvana, and Dave Grohl said this, so I'm totally ripping this off of him. This isn't mm. my original idea. Yeah, no, she's told like what her rise in popularity and kind of like yeah where she's going. Like it's Nirvana was the last thing to do that. Yeah, exactly. But, well, so quickly because I remember yeah. like I I did not hear of her name until. Then all of a sudden I heard her name, like, who the hell is this person? And I know in a matter of months, like, that she blew up. She was had a, a show here, and I know so many particular women that went to the show, and like, oh, we saw Billie Eilish. She was amazing, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know, I, I, for, as a music standpoint, I'm not a huge fan, but as far as, like, that persona and everybody obsessing over her, it's like, what are you people doing? Like, calm down. And I've seen <laughs> people do this over Beyonce and Taylor yeah. Swift, as, as musically talented as they are, um, and it also comes along with these. These artists are also kind of full of themselves. Like they almost don't. They don't. So preach. here's <laughs> the do. thing. Here, uh, let's get into something else yeah. here. So these popular artists, they're promoting consumerism, yeah. commercialism, yep. materialism, mm-hmm. yep, consumption, yep, sin, like shit that's mm-hmm. not good. Yeah, exactly. Promoting stuff that doesn't fill you. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna give you three names here. Yep. Amy Winehouse. Yep. Kurt Cobain and Tupac Shakur. Yep. All okay. dead. <laughs> All dead. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Amy Winehouse. Do you know what record label she was on? Not off the top of my head, but I know it was a. Uh, she was on Universal cool. Republic, which was owned by Universal Music Group. Right. She's dead. Yep. Kurt Cobain. Do you know what record label he was on? I can't tell you off the top of my head. I'm... Geffen. Geffen. Okay. Yep. He's dead. Yep. Tupac Shakur. Death Row. Yep. Which was a yep. subsidiary of Interscope, sort of. Mm-hmm. He's dead. Mm-hmm. So, what, like, okay, if um, limited information, what do these three artists have in common versus like your Beyonce's or your Justin Bieber's? Well, I think they they didn't, you know, I, you know, you could wor- use the word like they didn't sell out, but they were very unique and they, but they, they weren't responding. They didn't, like authority they always were like anti-authority exactly work, they work, yeah. they promoted individuality yeah, they, yep. and expressing mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. and right. not following the herd yeah exactly. which is what the other ones are promoting yeah it's promoting mm-hmm. conformance mm-hmm. and consumption yep and i'm not saying i believe they were you know killed for that reason yeah but i think it's important to recognize the artists who are gone who are examples of individuality because the thing about music is it's a very rare art form because it connects both sides of your brain it's something that's Mm -hmm. 
mathematical but also spiritual at the same time yep. and there's nothing quite else like it it expresses um stuff that really can't be said but it's right. impossible to be silent on and you've got certain artists who promote that and they bring that together and that inspires people and can inspire revolutions whether they're big or small and um the ones nowadays who get really popular it's it's about the ones who go in the opposite direction mm. like they want you to you know want money and nice cars and like um you know promoting shit that yeah. isn't going to f- actually fill you it's all materialistic yeah. and fake mm-hmm. because that's that's what sells mm-hmm. and that's what they they want you to buy into yeah. and so that's my theory it's a business and it's a dirty business and that's what the illuminati really is whether that is demonic on a satan you know <laughs> whether that's no. demonic on a literal level right or a metaphorical level mm-hmm. i'm gonna go more metaphorical but right. some of these people are fucking crazy so i would not put it past them to be satanists to like sacrifice people because at this point and uh, where we are in this climate politically i i would not be surprised by anything i am literally open to anything because nothing surprises me anymore no, same. It's it's and like these these art pop artists they they garner such huge crowds and so many people follow them trying to emulate them and it'd just be a perfectly easy place for a business you know or a, a large conglomerate like this you know Illuminati or the Venti to to really influence people in the entertainment industry where it seems so harmless and innocent. It's art, whatever they're taking advantage of art, you know, to, to get to people. But I'll, I'll say that, I don't know if you've heard or are familiar. I know people listening in will be familiar, but are you familiar with Bo Burnham? Uh, it sounds familiar. Yeah. He's like a comedian yes, uh, artist. Yeah. He makes a song called repeat stuff uh-huh. and it hits on this, what we're talking about almost perfectly. Like he's <laughs> just saying that artists, he kind of goes on lyrically about, how artists are paid to repeat stuff over and over again to, to sell and sell and sell. And then he kind of has like a mention near the end of the song, like, I'm the Illuminati beating the dead horse dry, blah, blah, blah. Like he was like talking <laughs> at the real voice of a pop star. Yeah. Um, you know, but it was, uh, and I encourage people to, to look that song up because it's really funny, but it kind of is serious and kind of what we're talking about and, and what, you know, companies are doing to try to get out of these pop artists, these packaged pop artists for, for their brand. Yeah, absolutely. These manufactured mm. crap created <laughs> figures. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that is a good stopping point. Um, we can dig more into this. Um, I will have to have you and Aiden on for Definitely. an upcoming episode mm-hmm. and we'll have to, um, before we started here, we talked for about two hours, yeah. so <laughs> we've got a... plenty of material for yeah, another episode Definitely, and I look forward to talking to him. So before we sign off for the night, um, our closing bumper music here is actually going to be a sample of hanging on to yesterday by Jake's band 12 hour day. Um, my producer Tom was nice enough to crop that and put that into the closing segment for us so stick around and get a sample of that and check out 12 hour day on facebook and also on spotify to listen to the album hollywood and uh, they post a lot of funny shit on instagram too 
And we post some weird stuff on there, some weird videos. And you can check out our YouTube, too. We have some weird <laughs> skits. There's a video of me doing, like, 20 impressions, too. So we you just do, try to be You different. do Rick and Morty, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Rick and Morty, yep. That's 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 a fun one to do. It's funny. <laughs> but, yeah. Can you do Ted Cruz? Right now? Yeah. Or, <laughs> so... <laughs> God bless the great state of Wisconsin, and God bless Governor Scott Walker. <laughs> I still remember that from yes. after a primary. Oh, oh my gosh. that's awesome! Oh, it's so great. I love it's it. So funny. You do Bernie? Yeah, I didn't do Bernie. Yeah, you want to see that? I did do do Bernie? We are gonna give all rights to everybody. Everything is a right. We're gonna give everything to everybody, everywhere, everything. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> You didn't sound senile enough, but no, every the accent was spot on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Brooklyn accent or whatever the hell it is, you know, Vermont. Do Joe Biden? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we'll, we'll fall asleep. Yeah, no, I don't <laughs> think I can do Joe Biden, nor do I care. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want to put effort in doing that. Um, all right, awesome. Well, I thank you for coming on. This was a good talk, and I look forward to having you guys on again. So, speaking of which. I've talked to you guys on social media about this, but uh, I got to get you guys into one of my short horror films once we can actually schedule this shit because me and my people are way too busy to fucking get anything done, but it's all right. I got this podcast and that's a thing. So yeah, in the meantime, I'd love to have you guys on here, but yeah. Be cool to get my first uh, debut acting role. Um, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, your videos are you, your videos are a lot of fun. So I think uh, we can do some cool shit. That'd be fun. All right. Well, this is the Animalitia podcast. I am Ben. Yeah, and I'm Jake. Thank you for listening to us for the last however long we just talked for, and have a good night. Are you gonna go?